Right. I wasn't excelling like I had in, in high school. Um, I expected more of myself. And it got to a certain point where mom swooped in and she was like, we got to change this. It's not good for you. Um, and if it's not working, then let's stop something else. And I was like, oh, I didn't know that was an option. I think the minute I stepped on a practice field for rugby, the calling happened. Uh, an eight-year plan to be on the team. And I was in it within two years. Don't wait until you are a pro to be a pro, right? Like, I like doing something, look, stopping and learning from it. Like, it just looked like it was a heavy hit. It gets up, it's nothing up. You know, that's the first time I played, like, professionally. I'm making rugby money. How can I make money outside of it? And those two Scottish guys, and they said, oh, you're, um, you're here for the movie. Rugby is a sport where that's often coupled with actually having a good time. He looked at me and he says, you guys are awesome. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another great episode of Grow Rugby. My name is Gift Gift Timey Bailu, and this is a show where we speak with people about the opportunities that they have found, created, or taken advantage of via rugby. Man, we had a great weekend. I know if you guys don't know, we had the HBCU Rugby Classic kill off this past weekend. And man, uh, look, it was part of the reason we couldn't do the podcast last week because my body was shutting down. There was so much to do. And uh, 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 look, to anybody who wants to organize a tournament in the future, do not try and do it by yourself, especially if you want the tournament to mean something because it is not worth the stress. Add a tip, don't do it within a month and a half, all right? It it doesn't work out. It, I mean, it worked out, but it's not good for your body. Like, you're 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 going to really start to shut off on something so i'm happy that we got this off it kicked off it went smoothly uh we didn't go we wanted to go two days but um weather and uh (laughs) the health of players prevented it from ending up happening on it but you know what it was a great one day event on saturday and may 1st and it was what a way to kick off a month what a way to be able to just Man, bring all these people together. Yo, it was so fun. We're going to have the videos up. There's a stream already available on um, stream already available on, on Facebook, but we got some YouTube. We're going to put more up on the YouTube channel here on Gift Time Rugby Network YouTube channel. So uh, you'll be able to see the full games and everything like that. But, yo, this, this was legit. This was so legit. I mean... The vibes were great. Just the game action was intense and exciting. You know, people who had never seen it, of course, came out and loved it. A lot of people got lost trying to find a field because Highland Road Park, uh, the rugby field on Highland Road Park uh, definitely are kind of weird. Like people, you you get to the park, but you don't think to keep going around because it's neighborhoods that you see. So some people just were, were getting lost. But, man, it was good. Good times, good food, good people, good vibes. 
Oh, my goodness. Everybody, it was all love, connecting with players, um, you know, everybody just, just getting a feeling. That's basically what you always want from rugby from from any rugby event, you know. We didn't get to have, like, performers like we normally do, but I, I, I can't even lie. This was this was fantastic. This was spe- spectacular. I, I, I couldn't ask for, for better, and I can't wait till next year uh, to be able to do this again because, um, uh, man, it, it's some work. And each year, it, it adds a different level of work, but, man, it gets more and more fulfilling every single time. So, uh, man, I, I got – look, I'm not even going to go through – I'm going to go through this every single one. So if you guys want to skip it, I mean, you're kind of horrible on the inside, but you guys can and get to the interview. But I got to give out the proper thanks. I, you know, I had to make sure to write it down. So first and foremost, I want to thank the teams that made it out. Uh, Prairie, I want to thank Raheem Vital and Karima uh, and the entire Prairie View A&M uh, rugby team. That's men and women. Women came for the first time, first, I would say, major appearance of the Prairie View A&M women to come play. And they came out hard. Yo, those women can tackle, yo. And they were playing against a tough roots teams, two of them, and as well as Louisiana Laniap. Um, so big thanks to them. Uh, they were the only collegiate team that was actually out there. Uh, so they held their own in that regard. Uh, I want to thank Tiana and Kyle Granby, Tiffany Faye, Derek Lipskin, and the entire Roots men and women's team. They came strong. They came to play. There was uncertainty a little bit because we had a lot of cancellations, but they came, they played their hearts out. They connected with the other teams, and man, it was it was great. This this would not have been able to be the same if they hadn't been a part of it. And I'm so happy because we've been people don't know we've been working on trying to get them here for almost almost since they were created. Actually, since they were created, um, and we were always just trying to figure out the right time. Last year was supposed to be the time when it was going to go down, but of course, COVID came in. So uh, to be able to get it this time finally was like with everything, and it was worth it. Yo, that, that was that's a different level of mindset. I can't wait to bring them again and and to give them even uh, uh, a different competition because we're gonna put time into this one uh, too. I want to say say thanks uh, to Sarah Chicken Drake uh, and the entire Louisiana Lanyap uh, uh, women's team out here because they were our our our. our filler in team and to be honest with you they came to play played so well they oh man completed the bracket gave people the game like it was if i don't know if we it would have been able to work the exact same if they hadn't been a part of it and uh, i'm so glad that they were willing to it was nice to have a hometown team because they are based primarily out of baton rouge so it was nice to have people that were from baton rouge being able to participate in it uh, and they they played phenomenally. Uh, I, I you couldn't ask for better. All the games and and went through with it. I uh, want to thank Shane Young and Devin O'Brien and the entire Memphis Inner City uh, Rugby Squad. That's boys and girls. They came out defending champs. Yo, they came to play. Put up the hard numbers. It was so great to be able to see them again. Shane and Devin have done such a great job with that program. I mean, they are they are literally the program to copy. Uh, on this between Stuart Crone and ISEF and Shane Young and Memphis Inner City Rugby when it comes to uh, um, predominantly black and people of color uh, um, 
youth rugby teams uh, and, and the impetus of creating opportunity in that, not just simply bringing it, but creating opportunity for them through that. I, I would easily say Shane Young and, and Devin O'Brien with, with Memphis Inner City Rugby are literally the U.S. creme de la creme and actually probably is a model that can be replicated around the world. So uh, I hope you guys uh, just, man, that was so much. And then, of course, of course, uh, our, our other newest entries, because we had three brand new teams that came in. Uh, it was Dallas Youth Rugby with uh, Basilio Torres and Ben White bringing the Dallas boys and girls. Uh, First-time comers, like they, oh, my goodness, they were fantastic. They were fantastic. Dallas has something special going on over there, and I can't wait to see them continue to grow for years to come. And, and, and it, was, it was a legitimate honor for them to, to be able to make it out to this one because, you know, uh, again, this tournament does not happen if they don't, they don't come through. But it was them that was brand new, Louisiana Laniap, and Prairie View, uh, all of Roots Rugby, and then Prairie View A&M women's team. So we, we really had some newcomers in and, and some new, new looks. And, uh, again, there is not a single bit of regret that comes out from that because they came to play. They came to play. It was legit, man. Um, so the people who won, though, you know, we got to give it out to the award recipients. Uh, because this was the first year that we actually had our trophies named before, it was always just the HBCU Rugby Classic Championship Trophy. Uh, and, and it still counts within that. But this is the first year that it had naming rights onto it. And, uh, you know, uh, our championship trophy was the Phaedra S. Knight HBCU Rugby Classic Trophy. Uh, um, championship trophy and of course if you guys know phaedra is the world rugby hall of famer is about to be a usa rugby hall of famer she's an hbcu alumni of alabama a&m uh and she is uh just phenomenal uh a person and created psk collective like just just amazing great story great story that she has, and I'm actually gonna not this week, but in the next coming weeks, post a, a, a an old interview that we did that that just gives everything about Phaedra, and, and you know she she not only helped support this HBCU Rugby Classic, she not only helped with the development of Roots Rugby, but she continues to advance for women, LGBTQ, uh, black women, black black causes. Like she is legit. And then uh, we also had our Ransom Ram Eddings uh, Player of the Match trophy. And if you don't know who Ransom Ram Eddings, we got the podcast uh, just early on. I don't remember the episode number, but Ram actually created the uh, what's a team known as the Gray Wolves, which was the first ever predominantly black uh, touring rugby squad. So basically what Roots is prior to roots this was started back in the early 90s and lasted until about the 2000s and they actually have uh, an alumni match coming up in september to bring it back it's been a while but this man he his purpose was not just to bring uh black rugby players together to be able to 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 learn and network and enjoy and 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 feel the the impact of knowing that others exist but also would work actively that in any tournament that he went to, that the Grey Wolves went to, they had to have an opportunity to go talk with a school uh, that that had uh, youth rugby and in in, in uh, areas where there was predominantly black areas where you needed to expose rugby 
into that area, and they would actively go and do there. Actually, one of the guys who were our sponsors, Marcus Wood, um, uh, he was actually impacted by uh, the Grey Wolves. Uh, it was part of his early adoption into rugby. So uh, when you think that you're not making a difference because you know maybe it didn't click, it, it, it does. It might not happen in the timing that you think, but it always does. So our, our Phaedra S. Knight HBCU Rugby Classic Championship Trophy recipients uh, for the men and women's division, it was Roots Rugby. Uh, again, like I said, they came to play. It wasn't a game. They did their thing. My God. <laughs> and they played hard. They played so hard, they shut down for the rest. <laughs> they were like, done. We done. <laughs> and then for our U19 boys and girls division, the surprise, but, yo, I'm uh, surprised, but when you see them, you're not surprised, was Dallas Youth uh, Rugby Boys and Girls, and they came hard. Played a hard match against Memphis Inner City Rugby. Yo, that was, man, when you talk about an opening, uh, 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 a revealer, and this is some of the first tape that they've, they've actually had, so it was huge to be able to see them. Uh, be able to get this. Uh, I was really happy. You know, either teams. I'm. I'm. It sounds corny, but I'm for all of them. So I. I love it either way. So it. It, it worked out. Um, but you know, it was great to see. This was dynamic play by the boys and girls. Dynamic play. People, get your girls teams up, man. Get your girls high school teams up because you need the counterpoint with the boys. Whenever you got a a dope boys team and a dope girls team, yo, it is probably one of the most. Uh, uh, spectacular things to watch. One of the most amazing things. It's marvelous. I can't even say. Um, so, yeah. So they won. Those two teams won the championships. And then uh, for our Ransom Ram Eddings Player of the Match recipient, trophy recipients, uh, for the men's, we had Phil Selter of Roots Men's Red uh, coming in. Dude was just everywhere on the tape. When you guys see it, you'll see him. He was just always in, in the frame. Always in frame. Uh, for the women's side, uh, we had Angelina Lomu of Roots Women's Green, uh, who just killed it all together. Uh, again, always in the frame. That was the incident. It's not just how many times do you score. Scoring is important, but are you there in the tackles? Are you there for the pass? Are you a disrupting? Did your team win? You know, so these things kind of played into the, the concept of it. And, uh, it, it was hard. I'm not going to lie. There was no easy task. These teams all played so well evenly, um, which is how you want rugby. To be honest, it should be incredibly difficult to find a specific player that was so game-changing because a lot of times you just want to end up going with who the, who's the captain, and it doesn't always make sense. But it's hard because if you, you flow, you're flowing as a team, so everybody's contributing equitably. Um, for then the boys' uh, high school, we had Javon Bailey of Dallas Youth Rugby. Oh, my God, that kid was so fast. Yo, he was playing scrum half. This kid would just take the ball and bloop, 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 gone. Just gone. Like, he was so quick, so fast. Man, look, Life University, Lindenwood, y'all need to take him. And Central Washington, uh, yo, you guys need to take Iona. It, somebody's got to get that kid because that is a weapon on the field right there. And so nice, so, so respectful. So kind. Like, you, if you looked at him at first glance, you'd be like, ah, he's not going to do anything. No, that kid tackled. That kid ran. He controlled the ball. He knew how to dictate the, uh, the defense. Like, he was – that kid was legit. That kid was legit. Javon was legit. And then the last one was uh, uh, Sanft Falemi 
of uh, Dallas Youth Rugby, another girl who was just dominant on the field. And this was hard because Dallas had a dominant rugby, a, a girls' rugby team. So, uh, yeah, she was everywhere on it. She was powerful. She was uh, 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 guiding the way. Uh, it, was, it was awesome. Uh, like I said, you'll see it on the tape. Um, and then, of course, I want to thank the sponsors. I look again. I, I said I'm going through all of this. If it's too long for you, okay, you know, just go find the interview. But I think you guys really want to hear this. Um, we want to thank our sponsors over there, uh, Teresa Bowie of uh, Baton Rouge Youth Rugby. Uh, she's the president for Baton Rouge Youth Rugby. I it, she was a lifesaver in so many ways uh, when developing this. Um, unfortunately, Baton Rouge Youth Rugby wasn't able to put the team in like we had hoped, but that didn't stop her from being able to work with getting uh, gift bags for the teams, getting uh, uh, merch for for the teams, and 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 finding people to do it. Uh, she found a couple volunteer. She found uh, uh, got um, one of the the sponsors uh, from Pennington uh, to be able to come in. Uh, she connected with uh even where our original school scotlandville high high school and everything uh worked with um cadiv and and pat laduff uh, a, a community program up in north baton rouge and uh they actually uh the daughters uh the granddaughters of of her were able to come down presented a, an amazing popcorn like Teresa was integral to this process and uh so big thanks to her uh, and, and all that she's done, and look out! I don't know what if it, Baton Rugby World continue keeping your eye on Teresa Bowie. This is energy incarnate, and you wouldn't even imagine it. That's the, the beauty of rugby. You never, if you look at first sight, it's never is what it is, man. So, uh, of course, big thanks to Phaedra Knight. Uh, she provided. Uh, she she provided uh, advice and funds and everything. Like she she was. Very integral, of course, the naming rights, but, you know, as an HBCU alum, like, that's really key. And one that's well-known in the rugby community is even more rare. So we're expecting to see more and more of that to come. But she's she is the leader on all this. Uh, I wanted to thank Tim Falcon, Falcon Law Firm. If you guys don't know who Tim Falcon is, he is also the owner for the NOLA Gold. Uh, definitely providing help for this uh, event Um and look, what we're going to about to do with uh, HBCUs in Louisiana is going to be phenomenal. Helping with getting coaches over to them, being able to help with uh, uh, creating the framework and process for them. So it's it's like I said, it's about to be <laughs> legit. Uh, uh, I mentioned him before, but Marcus Woods and the Washington Youth Rugby uh, squad, like. Uh, uh, the Russian Youth Rugby Organization helped with uh, raising some funds for us that we needed to be able to complete it because we wanted to make sure that the teams had a great time. And, and, and sometimes it's not just about what the teams can provide to you. It really is. The tournament is about being able to showcase the players, and the players need to have the best situation of being able to do that. Um, so I wanted to give to that. Um, want to give it out to uh, uh, another of our sponsors, USA Rugby, and really led by Amanda Young-Cox. Uh, she provided uh, a, a full black referee, uh, a full black referee unit. Uh, I, don't, I think this might be the first time in USA Rugby history that they've had a completely uh, people of colored, um, and, and not even just people of color, specifically black uh, people rugby staff and they were incredible they were so fun so enjoyable they ref the games perfectly like we had no issues 
None. Even the one that kind of started coming up was already taken because this tournament was all love, man. Like, I, I can't tell you enough, man. And then, of course, we had our athletic trainer, Gina Falgott, out of New Orleans. Uh, she just was running. I mean, we had a lot of, like, players go down here and there, but she got them back up. She got them moving. Uh, she was incredible going through the field. Like, it was you, – you couldn't ask for a better – athletic trainer she was ready she knows that she's worked with the gold she's worked uh with other collegiate uh, uh rugby programs she's never been in rugby until she started working in it uh and so to be able to have her and and do it like she was i, I you can't ask for better you you just you can't ask for better like they are they are everything in, in the process because if you don't have your health man it it's tough and and then we just we covered we, she covered all of us so well. Um, then we also had Steve Guillory of Steve Guillory Photos. He took great professional photos. Get ready to see them because there has never been. He's been to all every single HBCU Rugby Classic since we did it in 2018, and his photos not only are phenomenal. His energy there is phenomenal. It is. He's just. I, I so thankful to be able to have such great rugby community around uh, to do to to be able to participate in these things. Uh, we had Anthony Moose Daniels um, be able to uh, help us with the post game, the cookout music. Uh, it got a little rainy, uh, so uh, people just kind of had to eat and go. But man, when I'm telling you the vibes during the during people getting food, and then even more so the vibes while we were cleaning up. Uh, they were everything. So uh, big shout out. Check out. And of course, he's not just a DJ. He's an artist. You guys can actually check him out on Spotify. Look for Moose Harris. Uh, and uh, he's gotten a phenomenal album. Like he's he's a, such a legit rapper. Uh, I, I can't even say anything to that. Like it's it's just, there's nothing to add except for he's just phenomenal. <laughs> he's just phenomenal. And, uh, of course, big special thanks, Baton Rouge Men's Rugby, allowing us to be able to use the pads and flags on the field. <clears throat> uh, big thanks to Breck uh, for allowing us to use the field in a short notice. We only had about a week and a half to be able to schedule that field, and it usually takes a month. So uh, big thanks to them uh, on being able to allow us. That's also part of Baton Rouge Youth Rugby, being able to uh, help front us in terms of allowing us to use the field. Um, and, and that was big. And, uh, yeah, um, also want to thank our volunteers. I, I know this is long. You know, I'm not apologizing for it. You know, this is long. So our volunteers, um, Chisa Ebelu and his girlfriend, Albie, yo, helped on so much. And Chisa is my brother. You actually can actually see his podcast. His company, Pedal, also helps with sponsoring this. So it can work in both aspects. Um, but, uh, again, there is... You can't do events like this by yourself, and I, I have to—I have to catch my own ego again to never allow this to happen. Uh, where you do it, uh, uh, or try to organize the bulk of it, you can break it down. And now that we have this event in place, it's so good. So technically, I didn't really do it myself, as I'm explaining. There, there were so many people, and a lot of these people came at the last second. Like they came at the last second. This when I tell you, I only was able to work on this for about a month and a half because we started it in February. Uh, because we didn't know what COVID, I didn't know what COVID was going to do. I, it was very difficult to see what was going to happen. But I did it, worked on it for a month and a half. Basically, I worked on it for part of February. Then I had to go to Brazil for a month, and I couldn't really work on it the way that I wanted to. And then it was basically all of uh, um, all of April 
uh, to do it. And we're just moving, moving, and people just popping up and providing help and giving love. Like, it was awesome. It was awesome. Also want to thank uh, Eric Twig Chris, uh, who was our commentator, came on, did the full day of rugby, man. And and look, I, I don't know if you guys understand. It's a lot. There was a lot of games that we'd had. We'd made three rounds of basically five uh, five teams playing per. So we had almost 15 games going on uh, at any one point in time uh, with very little rest in between. Uh, so to be able to keep pushing and, and he kept going, oh, man, it was – I couldn't ask for more. Uh, one of uh, big thanks to uh, my guy Jordan Francis. Uh, he helped us with the scoreboard and getting the, uh, getting the, uh, the games up uh, and, and getting it up to streaming. And it was tough uh, being able to get that thing up. You know, there's always a little bit of, of, of difficulties, especially whenever you're doing things with hot spots. So uh, big thanks to him getting it up and being able to control uh, the scoreboard and keep just keep the, the, the people who weren't there at the field up to date. So it, it helps so significantly. And I don't have specific names because it, it kind of popped up and I didn't get a chance to write it down. But I have to thank the students of Scotlandville High School. We got about five volunteers that came for the early part of the day. They actually helped with the social media early on uh, for both the HBCU Rugby Classic uh, Instagram page as well as the uh, the Gift Time Rugby uh, Instagram page. And, uh, again, like I always say, man, you know, man, you you get them young, they they, they, they'll – you you let people who are in high school and middle school, whatever, let – let the, the I don't want to say young folk or youth, but yet let the next generation show you that they are capable and they came capable. I mean, they were they helped us with messaging, a lot of knickknack stuff here and there, uh, particularly helped with, the, like I said, the social media and was able to give at least an aspect while we were working on trying to get the live set up. So it really satisfied a lot of people's uh, curiosity about what was going on. Great photos out of it. I, I you could not. You cannot be mad about that. I had, so big thanks. Anita Gilmore uh, was uh, and, and um, Vice Principal um, uh, 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 Vice Principal Jackson uh, being able to help and bring the volunteers in. Uh, so big thanks to them on that because everything helped on it. Uh, and then, of course, want to thank the referees. Definitely want to thank the referees. Elvia Sonier, Justin Hale, Jamal Jones, Cheeky Outlaw, and Rebecca Portlock. These were our five refs for this entire match. And like I said earlier, they were phenomenal. They were amazing. They did a great job, controlled the event so well, and... Um, uh, you, you, <laughs> what can you say? When you have great refs, the games go great. Players play well. Everybody's think smooth. People are happy. Like we're we're going, you know. And as an event director and and organizer on it, it's one less thing that you have to think about because there's so much that's going on at the same time. So, I I, I thank them so much for making it up, uh, for being able to uh, basically do this thing and 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 just represent for the referees union altogether. And like I said earlier, a uh, big thanks to Amanda Young Cox, Jamie McGregor, and, and all of and USA Rugby for being able to provide the referees uh, for this and the insurance to be able to do this. Um, and then last but absolutely not least, want to thank our vendors, Bailey uh, uh, of Posh Popcorn, um, 
uh, a team that uh, Teresa brought, but I already knew. But it is these two young, really amazing uh, um, black girls who created this incredible popcorn. Um, and they have been just building up their entrepreneurship. You definitely go check them out on Instagram. You can find their website, Posh, posh Pop dot uh store online or posh pop on instagram uh and and they uh, just a phenomenal family uh patty laduff and ebony McAllister. uh just just they raised great grandkids and kids respectively um and and i just just amazing just it, you love to see young business development, and I'm happy that the HBCU Rugby Classic was a platform for them to be able to take advantage of that situation. Um, and then, of course, uh, my guy, uh, James Lagon of uh, Hayward Dental Products. Uh, he's the guy that actually made this, uh, who made this, <laughs> uh, the plaque that always stays behind, and another one, uh, at made phenomenal products to be able to see. He even was the one who created our HBCU Rugby Classic uh, uh, labeled toothbrushes as well that you guys can find under Rugby Outlet Mall store. Um, find at RugbyOutletMall.com. Uh, he was such an amazing support, provided a ball, provided uh, uh, um, uh, just just great look at, at being a black rugby player back in the early 90s, playing at LSU. Uh, he only played for a short period of time, for a year or so, but he even claimed from that mindset he'd helped him get through dental school and even pushed him through into other products. So, again, whenever you have the past, you have the future, you have the beginning and the end, the middle, like it was a complete rugby event. And this was as great as any that could be. And next year, when I tell you it's going to be even more amazing, it's going to be bigger, it's going to be more complete because we're not doing it in a month and a half, three months, however you want to call it. It is going to be a full event. And and the people that we have coming are going to be coming back. And there's going to be even more. And it's just, you, you, this is what you love to see. This is, this is everything. This is everything. So... Um, I want to thank thank them. Big thanks to all of them, and uh, y'all, I love it. I love it. So I'm not gonna hold you guys back. Um, we have uh, our guest is Kareel Guthrie. Um, she is a HBCU alumni. She is a traveler. She has been part of everything. She's an engineer. She's a logistics. She is, and and she actually created. Um, The James G. Robertson and Clive Sullivan Rugby Foundation, which is was created uh, to be able to help develop HB, rugby into HBCU. So being able to go in and find ways to be able to provide funding and support in ways so that we can be able to advance the progression of that for more and more situations. The HBCU Rugby Classic, we provide a platform hoping to be able to work and develop coaches. They help to be able to create the programs. We've got people like Roots who help to create opportunity and provide more breadth and spread. Like we're, it's a it's an entirely engaging community that's developing more and more, and it's happening on all levels: Pacific Islands, uh, Asia, and Pacific Pacific Islands, uh, um, 
uh, his Latin, Latin and, and Hispanic. Like, we're going to Caribbean, and we're going through the African nations. It's just everything is coming through, and it's so phenomenal what this next new era of rugby is going to be like. So, <laughs> you guys have been waiting, but here it is. Kirill Guthrie, the James G. Roberts and Clive Sullivan Rugby Foundation. Check it out. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another great episode of Grow Rugby. My name is Gift Gift Timey Bailu, and we got another. Very V, super I, I, super important I, I guess there we go, that goes, and a perfect P, I gotta say, that also sounded wrong, but it was supposed to be better than what it comes off as, (laughs) (laughs) A, a traveler, an engineer, a humanitarian, yo, she is just like, when you talk about the core of what it means to be a rugby person, Kirill Guthrie. Kirill, thank you so much for coming through. <laughs> thank you for having me. <laughs> Quite the oh, intro. <laughs> oh, you know, you know, you know, we go big. Even if I don't see it all the way through, it's like, look, we're, we're going to get there. All it is is the, the, the ends of the me. Right? <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh. So, you know, Kirill, I got to tell you, so obviously we, we, we're, we're, we've been, we've known each other at least through the BIPOC uh, group. And uh, I always appreciated uh, that you were one of the few people who actually took the time to watch our documentary. I super appreciated that in the real, oh, real way. Yes. You know, it, it, it was, it meant a lot. Like, I, I don't think you realize how much it meant. Um <laughs> But even more so, what was interesting was we have a mutual friend in uh, Grant Cole who shouted your praises. He was like, Gift, if, if you haven't talked to Kirill yet, like, I, I'm going to need you to go step aside from doing this whole show because she's the person that you talk to. Like, she's out here doing medical humanitarian work. She's out here doing the rugby. Look, look, I saw you were doing medical humanitarian work. All right. We, we going to call it, <laughs> you know, <laughs> we're not going to be humble here today. All right. <laughs> well, to be specific, the logistics side of it, you know, I don't just dabble in medicine. You know what that means? You mean that means it couldn't have even happened unless she was in there. All right. There's no movement happening. So, you know, but True. no, but you you've been such uh, uh such an impactful person in 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 the world and just even in rugby itself and how much you've been able to do. So uh it is legitimately an honor to be able to just have this one-on-one discussion and talk to you and get to know who you are and uh you know even more from that. Again, thanks for having me and I hope we can yeah, get some good dialogue going. <laughs> Because I've had some experiences, so yeah, ask away. Absolutely, and of course, we still got some HBCU stuff too. I got, I didn't put that in, but we we added all the way mm-hmm. in through it. Mm-hmm. So, Quill, mm-hmm. cool. I always ask, you know, because every superhero has an origin story. You know, how did you first get started with rugby? 
Okay. Uh, my first university was Tufts University in Boston, and I played track in, or sorry, ran track in high school, and then continued to run in college. But it wasn't going so well. Um, I was also trying to double major in chemical engineering and French, and I would not recommend that combination. FYI. Uh, so I ended up quitting the track team uh, and I saw a flyer in the cafeteria for the rugby team and I didn't really know what it was but I knew there was some tackling involved and it sounded like something uh, I could get into and uh, that was in uh, 1999 so I've been involved ever since. So, I, I, so for you like Sports has always been a central component of, of your life. So to be able to even play yeah. at the collegiate level stands a lot to where you are uh, as a person and then athletically. Is this something that was in your family that both athletics and education is very uh, prominent in, in, in your guys' effort? Because chemi engineering is a beast. <sighs> All three semesters of that were horrible. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> my mother uh, is a, she has a PhD, uh, and so growing up she was a college professor, and then she um, moved to becoming a dean of um, uh, arts and sciences at various different HBCUs, um, and my father, uh, he played sports, he He's still got his newspaper clippings from, uh, what is it, the Gary Herald or something from, you know, 1970 um, for, he played uh, ba baseball uh, and football and then went on to play, and basketball, and went on to play basketball in uh, college, so. Oh, man, so, so it, it really has been, so I, I always find that interesting because you, you have something that's very similar to me, like I have... My my dad was a PhD. He's an engineer as well, and basically mm -hmm. was engineer and became dean and stuff like that. So you mm -hmm. always have this this ability of having been in the college system constantly. Um, mm -hmm. You you don't you, you I, I feel like whenever you're in that college program, you you get used to this level of 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 international diversity that comes in because mm -hmm. you're completely interacted within it. And I, you know, for you, especially being within the HBCUs, getting it from, and people underestimate how many uh, internationals comes through the HBCU programs. Uh, for mm -hmm. you, was there always this innate uh, attraction to international um, understanding or international travel because of the fact of, of the people that you went through with your, with your mom? I would say actually no with uh, my parents, co-workers, and colleagues. Uh, I wouldn't say it was diverse at all, actually. <laughs> <laughs> we were just on the south side of Chicago, you know. And <laughs> but we did every single year for spring break or maybe a, a winter break, summer break. Uh, we always travel internationally. So uh, Jamaica, Bahamas, uh, stuff like that. And then my junior year of high school, my French class went to Paris. And like after that, I got to explore by myself, sold. Like this is what I want to do. Let's travel. So that was really. It's like, the, uh, it's like, it's like, yep, 
this is this is this is the lock in that I needed right now. This is what I was expecting for everything at this point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and now I'm like, oh, going to France, like, oh, boring. <laughs> <laughs> this, this, this is so basic. What's going on with you guys? All right, like, <laughs> oh, been twenty times. Gosh. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I love it. So okay, so you you were at Tufts. You you you're you're doing track. You're doing engineering, and you step down. Wait, wait, yeah. Point of notes: architecture. Architecture. Oh, yes, not engineering. Architecture. Okay, okay, yeah. okay. Still, still crazy. Still, still crazy in the combo. Like it, it, it reduced nothing. You could have been like, oh man, I went from med school and then I did nursing. I'd be like, no, you you're still out of your mind. Like that's. A, there work requirements here. <laughs> but no, like, like, so you're doing architecture and, and you find your way onto the rugby team at Tufts. Mm -hmm. So, yes. Well, so it was a club team. And so at that point I was, I was kind of done. Uh, I, I, I was pushing myself to a level that I had not before and it wasn't working well. Um, so in terms of just like the balance between school and, and, and athletics or just like, yeah. Okay. yeah, yeah, um, for sure. Uh, because so when you, when you, uh, major in French, you have a French lab language lab. And then when you're in chemical engineering, sorry, it was engineering it turned into architecture before mm -hmm. my bad. Uh, but in chemical engineering, you have chemistry, uh, lab. And so, you know, each of those chemistry lab is until you get the experiment right. So it could be an hour, it could be three. Um, so between that and just the rest of my classes, uh, it was pretty bad. And I got a little depressed. Um, and it's on the system happening at the same time. And when you put that much pressure, like the body's sure. gonna react. Right, right. I wasn't excelling like I had in, in high school. Um, I expected more of myself. And it got to a certain point where mom swooped in and she was like, we got to change this. It's not good for you. Um, and if it's not working, then let's stop. Else. And I was like, oh, I didn't know that was an option. Um, so that was <laughs> one, of my, one of my first life lessons as an adult that uh, you can try um, and, and do your hardest, but if you don't succeed, then that's a lesson as well. And, you know, you don't continue to fail, 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 fail um, to total failure. Uh, so the failure is part of the lesson. Okay, now we pivot. So what do we do next? And so that's when I switched to from chemical engineering to architecture, changed schools, went to Howard um, and yeah, moved on. No. So and and and. So with with that connection, so you, there's there's a couple things that we have here. You know, uh, uh, obviously, you, you're you're having life change moment in terms of what you wanted to do because I I know anybody who chooses chemi engineering, um, there's obviously there's the the monetary advantage because they have the highest starting pay for almost any engineer. But I mm -hmm. think there's also like a genuine like love for biology and science that goes along with it. So for you to go into that, I have to assume that there was already an, in this, uh, a pretty preeminent appreciation for analysis uh, in, in, in depth, correct? Yeah, I, I, chemistry was uh, my favorite class in high school. Um, and I don't know, I guess I just threw French in there because I've been taking French since 
fifth grade or whatever. <laughs> Why not? It was, it was a default language. Like we needed a default class. And was like, all right, I, I got this one. <laughs> and then, so because I had AP chemistry, AP um, French, and AP calculus. So the calculus and chemistry um, developed into the chemi. Yeah. So it made sense to a 17-year-old at the time. Of course. Hey, look, I, I was an industrial engineer who switched over to international <laughs> studies uh, halfway through college because I realized, yeah, I don't study well. And so <laughs> I, I do not have the patience for it. It's, it just didn't work out. So I need something that I feel like my social aspect can kick in mm-hmm. more than uh, just pure analysis because – yeah, we 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 gonna fight. <laughs> <laughs> and there's nothing wrong with changing majors, kids. Absolutely do it. Like it, just do it. Change. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Take the experience. Yeah. We already dropped the gems. I, I'm I'm here for this. I'm here for this. <laughs> so so the second thing in 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 that is is the factor that obviously you moved from track to rugby, but you also went over to Howard. So. You're still in this DMV area, but, um, you know, isn't Tufts a little bit of a distance from where Howard is? Yeah, so the I did three semesters at Tufts, and then mom swooped in. And so for that fourth semester of my sophomore year, I went back to Chicago. Um, and actually, my mom was the one who said, hey, you took that one architecture class in high school here's your new major. And I was like, okay, uh, I'm done. Yeah, <laughs> you know, whatever, I don't, I don't care. So I switched to um, architecture, uh, but the, the school I was going to, Illinois Institute of Technology, was maybe uh, three miles from my high school. So I kept going back to high school and I was like the assistant coach for the track team. And of course I had just graduated. So I still knew the kids there and, you know, I'm making spreadsheets for people's times and splits and stuff. Like I was all into it and uh, it clicked and I was like, Oh, I need to be having a college experience, not, you know, a high school experience. Uh, you don't want to be that person who's always like, yeah, man, I remember back in the day, all of what, remember last year, yo, we were doing this. Yo, let's go. Ah! You're just basically the, the, the fifth year senior exactly. in high school. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so that's when I decided um, to to apply to Howard and um, move to D.C. Okay. You know, so so how did that impact the way that you, you were seeing rugby? Because it sounds like you got into rugby literally at the earliest point, but at the tail end of your time at, over at Tufts. Yes, exactly. And so then the rugby team really helped me get through because I was like, guys, I'm not doing so well. Um, I think I want to leave. And and they were my community and they they helped me through um, through that. They threw a going away party, made me a big card and everything. It was super sweet. Wait, um, how long were you with them? Was, I, of the three semesters, was it just like one or two semesters? Like, like for months. I feel like, I feel like you're really <laughs> underwhelming, like under uh, understating the time period that just happened here. Because I'm like, wait, we threw a whole, whole oh, going away party. Weren't you there for like four months? <laughs> Have you not met rugby people? Come on. <laughs> exactly. You were an immediate part of the family, and then, no, you're leaving. Oh, this is the worst day ever. <laughs> oh. Oh. So, it, so it was yeah. like one, two semesters that you were with them or one semester that you were with them? Uh, one semester. Yeah. I started in 99, which was 
yeah, uh, my first semester, sophomore year. Mm -hmm. um, so, I mean, yeah, I, I had never thought about that, but I was probably on the team for maybe two months. I don't know. You yeah. made an impact. Like, because like, you know, you know it's the two parts. It's the is the the rugby people bring you over, but it's the also getting used to the rugby culture itself. So mm -hmm. for mm -hmm. you, like, obviously you're you're in Chicago, and 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 I didn't even ask, so I'm gonna say you're from Chicago, born and raised in Chicago originally, and then moved around. Okay. Yep. Um, yep. So so in that pattern, like. What was it that kept you attached to rugby coming off of track and especially being ex athletically exhausted and continuing on after track and then entering into this rugby club? What 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 connected you in so hard? Well, that was 20 years ago. Let me first. Let me uh, we going all the way in. All right, we're going all the way in. <laughs> Uh, I, what I <laughs> I just recall being distressed and feeling like the friends that I had from freshman year were kind of just like, meh, that's your problem. Whereas the people on the rugby team were like, you know, how can we help? Um, I just felt they cared a lot more about me and and even some of the some of the um black students at tufts i kind of they i got the sense that they also wanted to leave like they weren't uh having the best experience as well um but it was tough so you know they're gonna stick it out and and perhaps because of the double major, I mean, I, I was doing way worse than they were. <laughs> Maybe if I had only picked one major, I would have stayed. But here we are today, so it all worked out. I mean, you know, history history speaks for itself from that. So uh, I, I don't feel like you made an incorrect decision. On <laughs> uh, sorry, I just got to turn on my air conditioning. It's only no 100 no degrees worry, here. All right? Look, look, we keep it natural on here. All right, we're just like, look. <laughs> People need to know the realness that's going on here. All right, it gets hot in this piece. All right, there's so much fire being happening here now. <laughs> oh goodness! Reel it in. Too much needed to be. <laughs> oh my goodness! But okay, all right. So 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 after you you going through, you met the rugby people. These people brought you into the to the fold itself. So for you, like obviously the the, the culture caught you, the, or at least the community aspect caught you. But for the yeah. game aspect, all right, you're a track person. You know, you don't get touched. You're a sprinter, so you know you're you're a sprinter, right? You so you know you're at least fast. But what was what was what was your what did it what was it like for you? You know, now taking the ball, now taking the hits. Like, what was that uh, leading up moment? Especially because again, brand new at the sport and just jumping in. Well, I did at one point in high school mention that I wanted to play football. Mm -hmm. uh, and my dad was like, absolutely not. Uh, one, because you don't like football, which is true. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
small, small details, you know. <laughs> that I give no shits about whatsoever. <laughs> Why are they always stopping? Um, but I, I was... paper clippings over here is like, no, 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 you're not going to disrespect this name over here. <laughs> we did at my high school, Chicago Public School, we did have um, a girl on the team. She was the kicker, and that was in 98. So, oh, no, okay. progressive. There we go. Setting standards. Setting standards. All right. Vanderbilt, you thought you were the one? Nah. Nah. It was going down in the high school. All right. She probably make a um, so I was always interested in the full context aspect. Yes, it is probably was a bit too rough um, with the the helmets and the you know head first type stuff. So so rugby was the perfect um, um, middle ground. Uh, rugby was the the perfect yeah 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 the perfect version of full contact for me. Um, and I, I mean, I, I dove into it um, almost literally. <laughs> uh, and as soon as I got to Howard, uh, I found a team, uh, played for the local club team. Um, and it was amazing because the forwards coach was a member of the USA Women's World Cup winning team from 1992, uh, Kristen McFerrin. Um, we also had phenomenal Eagles on the team. Um, Becky, Kim, who else? Tone. Uh, I mean, the, the team at the time, the Maryland Stingers, were, were a phenomenal team. Um, we played against Phaedra. Um, it, was, it was awesome. Hold on. Wait, 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 wait. I know you didn't just like like say big things in quiet ways. Like you had one of the USA Rugby women's World Cup winners, not just, yes. the, not, not just a team member, like World Cup winners, the earliest, what are the earliest World um, Cup winners? And just the like, first World Cup. She was just my coach. She was on the team. Yeah, no big deal. Yeah, you know. She was my mentor. Yeah, you know. Doesn't everybody have World Cup winners as their mentors? Yeah. <laughs> no, no, but that's so dope. Like, it, it, whenever you have somebody like that, um, you know, what what was it for you, like, being able to to have that? Obviously, the experience is different in the moment because rugby, in that sense, has still not been developed in, in, into that that way as it is maybe a little bit more now because we're still in, in that, we're still understanding rugby's existence or even knowing if it did exist. So for you, knowing that she had been in a World Cup and mm. been a World Cup winner, how was her um teaching of experiences and learning um how did that impact for you like it, how you were able to see the game and develop in it well to be honest i mean the internet had just been invented right so you gave us the internet <laughs> Uh, so I, I didn't know her background um, at the time, but I knew that she was a phenomenal coach um, and she saw something in me and always pushed me um, to do to be better, to go harder, train harder. Um, and yeah, she was instrumental in shaping who I was as a player, uh, not to mention the Eagles that were on the team at the time as well. Um, uh, we had um, our 10 um, Kim, 
she would be, come here, stand here, do this, go tackle her. Like she would place me <laughs> around the field. And at the time, like there was really no way to watch rugby, right? right. So how do you learn it when you can't ever see it, see it other than when you're on the pitch in the middle of a game? So right. uh, with Kim directing me, <laughs> I really, uh, really excelled. So, <laughs> yo, that's so awesome. So. You know, you, you you have this. You know, I've talked with like Comagandy Fishman, who's I guess who played relatively in that same period of time that ninety. I started mm-hmm. playing around that time, and you know, I always ask like, seeing where women's rugby is now versus when it was then. Um, you know, we're, we're talking about a pretty monumental change, but for you, like being able to be in the game at that point, like, what was your perspective on it? Like, how did it feel? uh with with it did it feel still similar to now or do you feel like not much has changed or do you feel like it it was so much more isolated then or or and and now you have something like what what was that travel what was that that aspect like for you yeah i I think it was definitely more isolated i mean luckily we were in on the east coast right so we could play um bean town and we could play new york and we could play um the Philadelphia team had just started. Um, so, you know, at least we didn't have to drive super far um, to play. And, and again, I was one of the youngest on the team um, playing with, with all of these super uh, experienced players. And it just, it felt like a privilege. Uh, it was, it was fun. It was hard, but you, it was always worth it in the end. Um and so I get jealous now when I see, you know, all these posts for um, combines and we've got scouts here and it's like, it was impossible to become an Eagle before, you know, like <laughs> the coach had to be a family member. Like, I don't know how to get on the team back then, but <laughs> you had to coach all of the regionals, the PRUs or the uh, mid-Atlantic region um, teams, you know, the select teams and climb the ladder. Da, 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 da. Um, so it was super hard back then. And now, so luckily um, there are a lot more avenues uh, for the kids nowadays. Oh, awesome. You know, so like now you're in this and, and here's another interesting component that I, I, I want to know, because it, it's one side that I don't think people usually grasp, especially as we develop into it with HBCUs. You know, you're over at Howard, you know, we're, we're talking about HBCU, a preeminent HBCU, one of the, you know, the other ones. There, there's the other HU, as I understand that you guys have, but are we... That, <laughs> DJ Envy from the Breakfast Club is out there just somehow taking glimpses like what? (laughs) (laughs) That's a whole other discussion. (laughs) But but in in the time you're you're over at Howard, predominantly black school, and and you've been in this this black environment so much, and then you enter into rugby, which is let's call it what it is. It's a predominantly white environment, and, Mm -hmm. and and everything. And of course we have it, but whenever you're juxtaposing between the two cultures, um, uh-huh. did you feel like, how did you feel like it was in terms of um, comparison? Like the thought of bringing people, more people from Howard to come play with you guys or anything like that, yeah. or any friends that you met there, did you, did you feel like there was a capability of, of a connection uh, in, in that moment, in that moment? Well, so there was, I, 
our Maryland team, I thought, was very diverse. Uh, we didn't have any people of um, any Asian backgrounds on the team, ethnic, um, ethnically, but there was so there was me, uh, Shelly, Todd, Becky, five, six. I think there were six black women on the team at the time. So I mean, that's, that's, a, that's, that's, a, that's a lot. A lot. That's yeah, a lot, especially. 99, 2000, this particularly, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, that was a lot. So in that regard, I, I felt like I had, you know, women I could talk to um, and look up to and and real mentors as well. Um, and then because I was in architecture, I really only knew the other people in architecture and like, <laughs> You don't you don't play sports. You don't pledge. You don't do anything when you're in architecture. Uh, you you just... get to drawing, go drawing, and exactly. drawing, modeling, and, and the model. The model's the worst. <laughs> <laughs> I like to say I graduated uh, with a degree in cutting and pasting. Yo, let's go. <laughs> My fiance is an architect, so like she shows me all the models of of her designs that she does, and she went all the way in. I'm just like, mm -hmm. man, yo, I'll give you guys props. Like, in, in in the surface, it always feels like it's a, oh, you guys are just doing arts and crafts, but then you're like, no, no, you guys are like accurately like this is this is you got to cut yeah. to the exact relative measurement. Yeah, of everything. This is real. <laughs> yeah. So you're like, oh no, no, this will just take like two hours, and like three days later, you're like, ah. <laughs> What's going on? Why is this? Why is it supposed to be equal? <laughs> yeah, it's rough. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> so, but architecture is so much fun. <laughs> no stress. No stress whatsoever. <laughs> So, you know, it's it's so with with all this, you have you found your space in architecture, you found your space in sports. So and 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 it's again, it seems like these are two areas that have been pretty prominent in your life uh, moving forward. So with these in, in mind, like, how did you start to see how did you start to, to adjust your worldview? And essentially, how did it start getting you to the point of, of traveling out in, in, in an adult way, not in a classwork and family vacation way, but really mm. being able to take advantage of it from a, a, a long-term perspective. Uh, well, I will shout out to um, Howard because I did study abroad uh, while I was there. I studied at University of Sydney. Um, but did you, I, out there when you were, did you do any rugby while you were in Australia? I tried. I went to the practice, of course. Um, I just wasn't feeling it from the team. Yeah. Yeah, it, sadly. It, uh, I went to one game with them. We carpooled there, and I was sitting in the car with three other women, and they didn't really talk to me other than, hey, what's your name? Cool. And I was just like, oh, okay. Well, I guess we're not friendly. Moving see, on. See Australia, see, Sydney. I'm going to go specific because I don't know about the rest, but I'm going to be like, look, Sydney, Australia, you guys got too cocky with your capital. All right? You think you're the capitals and you're like, ah, Americans are just trying to enter into our game, so we're not going to give you any clout. You could have had a great shout out at this moment. There could have been a legendary moment. You lost it. All right? You lost it. Wow. <laughs> 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 okay. 
Now. <laughs> but you know it, it. But aside from that, so uh, Howard giving you the international, a little bit of international. But were you, uh, and obviously, I failed on the rugby side. But everything else moving forward, uh, how, how did that impact? Because it leading you to Malawi and and these works and you've done stuff like, like yeah. So uh, working in construction is pretty time consuming, right? It's it's basically you have to be at work 6 a.m. And then I usually found myself leaving at 6 p.m. like every single day. Um, and so I got to the point where I needed an activity to get me off of my desk at the end of the day. So I, I kind of fell off of rugby because, again, if I'm at work at 6 a.m., then this uh, 7 p.m. practice is uh, is too much. Um, but it got to a point where one day I was driving to work on my motorcycle, and uh, I had <laughs> had a motorcycle. Again, low-key, low <laughs> big things in understated ways. Yeah, yeah, you know, not only was I an architect and a rugby player, track star, you know, engineer. Yeah, man, I just randomly was just doing biking, you know, no biggie. Because I'm an adventurer. <laughs> well, I can get to work in the morning if I don't ride my motorcycle. Let's go. Let's go. You know? All right. All right, Indiana Jones. Right. <laughs> so I'm riding my motorcycle to work in the morning, uh, lamenting like, oh, another day with, you know, my boss at the time. I was like, ah. And I got in an accident, uh, T-boned a car, totaled oh. the bike, but I had $100,000 worth of insurance coverage. So um, I had a lawyer. I had to give him 33000 and then I got 67000 and I bought a one-way ticket to Singapore, quit nice. my job, and uh, went backpacking around the world. Nice. You know, I – okay, so, one, uh, we're also going to give credit to apparently amazing genes that your body did not turn to dust from that T-bone. Because that 100000 <laughs> supposed to go to medical bills, and clearly you were not needing it. So, <laughs> we're going to swipe past that, that little my suffering gift. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Man, ah, agony, agony, I need to go fly. Um, <laughs> I get credit. All right, <laughs> we're gonna be like, yo, rugby's built up the body for so much uh, uh, impact that it was just like, yo, what, what is this car? All right, what are you guys? What are you guys simple? All right. Yo. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, okay. I did break my wrist. I broke my wrist and my toe, and I got road rash on my knees. But you know, I had a helmet and a jacket. And, That's good. So. You know, we need to make sure the government wasn't going to have a reason to come and experiment on you. Your body still had to give it like a little bit. All right, like, they're going to be like, "Yo, Unbreakable just came out." Like, maybe this morning. <laughs> it was around that time. <laughs> Hey guys, I just want to take a quick moment to talk to you about the Rugby Outlet Mall. Now, I know you guys have heard me talk about this many times in the show before, typically in the intro, but I wanted to really make sure to get your focus on it because the Rugby Outlet Mall is not just the commerce hub for Gift Time Rugby, but it is an area where we want to be able to create the movement and the symbolic elements that add to the movement. The Rugby Outlet Mall is here so that we can have something that not just to have for the field, but more importantly to be able to have as a regular lifestyle. Because as you know, rugby is not just a sport. It's a whole way of life. It is a movement. And we have everything moving from cultural to your pop culture items like our Rugby Zon 
shirts or and sweats uh, sweaters as well as representing for the culture as we continue to develop the hbcu rugby classic and we want to continue to support these things because it only grows the sport overall we are continually growing to be able to make sure that we are connecting with you on a personal level as well as a rugby love and for you guys that are listening to the podcast and listening to this show want to let you know that you are going to get 20 percent off all gear that is under the category of Gift Time Rugby Network and the HBCU Rugby Classic. That is basically the entire store. And all you need to use is promo code GROWRUGBY, G-R-E-A-U-X, RUGBY. And with that, you guys will get 20% off any clothing that is in the store as of right now and of course we're always building up more and more each time but we want to make sure that you are able to symbolize your rugby faithfulness to the rest of the world and let them know that there is an opportunity to be able to develop to grow and to get better each and every time in this sport so guys i hope you guys check it out Definitely go, and you guys can go to www.rugbyoutletmall.com. That is rugbyoutletmall.com. Guys, you're not going to want to miss one bit of this. Now, let's get back to it. (laughs) Okay, so you you took it out and you went to Singapore, which I adore Singapore. Uh, Though, I will say this. I love Singapore people. I did, whenever I first went there, and obviously, you know, from the doc, I thought the city was overrated based off of what was being told about it, a.k.a. the cleanest city in the world, so clean that if you spit gum on the ground, you'll get arrested, right? Yes, yes. In 2019, I do not feel like it holds up to that, all right? I felt like it was, I feel Tokyo, Japan is by far the cleanest city in the world. Singapore was nice, but it was it was very, very much more um, New York than I felt like. I actually felt like New York. You say New York, I'm thinking like no, 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 not New York in like in shadiness and and all that. I mean like New York in terms of like structure and setup. Like it's like London, it's like New York, but okay. I'm not gonna go okay. clean. I, I found places where I was like, I'm, I'm questioning. Like you guys are like normal people dirty like i was looking for like out of this world clean like the streets literally have to sparkle at this point we're we're going for for that spit out spit out gum and get arrested clean look i I have high expectations you know but i did enjoy it like it was it was it really was a lot more like being in london and new york in asia than it felt like actually being like kuala lumpur and being like it feels like i'm in asia Per se, uh-huh. if that makes sense. And I, I yeah, mean, yeah, I'm yeah. In Southeast Asia, so yeah, um, yeah, it's got a Western. Um, that's it. A lot more, a little bit more of a Western feel to it. To it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, but as as it is with Southeast Asia, because that place, it's so easy to fall in love with it. Like, what was that backpacking trip? Because again, I feel like the the adult experience of travel far surpasses any um, structured or family experience mm-hmm. prior to it. So, for mm-hmm. you, like, what what was what was it that ended up? Uh, what what did it come to it? And where were you going whenever you did that uh, backpack? I didn't have many plans. I had the best. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I had four things planned. Um, I had two volunteer 
was it four, three, two? Uh, anyway, I had two volunteer vacations planned in Thailand. So I had my arrival in Singapore and then the date that I needed to be at that first vacation in Thailand. And so how I got there and how long it took was, you know, up to me. So that was on the fly. Um, and I also had a, um, a work visa, a holiday work visa for New Zealand, mm -hmm. uh, which if you're, so this was the case pandemic, Age, I don't know what the, the visa is now, but the work holiday visa is for uh, was for uh, anyone under 30 um, from the U.S. without a criminal record. That's all you need to right. uh, qualify for the visa. So uh, I had that visa in hand and the two volunteer vacations. And so I knew, yeah, when I was leaving um, Thailand to go to uh, New Zealand, and that was about it. So no real plans. I... I my plan was to travel until I ran out of money, which right, I did. That's legit. I, I like that. I like that. It, 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 again, back to the adventure. Right? You, you know, in my rugby Indiana Jones right here. This is what <laughs> I wish I had a hat. Yeah, you, you didn't take it all the way through. You didn't know. If I had been there, I would have been your PR person. and been like, yo, hook it up. Snakes. I hate snakes. Anyway, so for the volunteer vacations, what was it that you were doing there as well? The first one uh, was in the south of Thailand, and I was at an animal rescue. So they mostly had gibbons, which are apes, not monkeys. And they had uh, McKay's, which are monkeys. And the so the gibbons had been rescued from the tourist trade um, because that's a thing. You know, you take a picture with the gibbon, it's so cute and fuzzy. And then uh, once they get older, they're aggressive and they start snatching stuff. Yeah, exactly. Uh, don't need you anymore. Um, and then the McKay's were from a, a lab. They were rescued from some kind of uh, science lab. So. Yo, wow. So, okay. So some of that is like really real. Like, you know, it, it's really interesting because in Thailand, one of the things that I, I've always, whenever I went there, uh, probably the only real negative that I had with Thailand was the captured animal um, kind of standard. The, like the, the tigers? Zoos, the... Exactly. Like the yeah. zoos uh -huh. and stuff. Yeah. I mean, I've been to a few zoos in my time and, you know, I'm, 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 I was always a mixed bag with it. But when I went mm -hmm. to the zoos in Thailand, I was... I was depressed. I was depressed mm -hmm. for the animals because it just didn't feel yeah. right. Yeah. Like it, it felt low down. Yeah. So basically, the animal rescue was was kind of... And what was this animal rescue? Do you remember? Ooh. Uh, uh, this is why we don't do prep beforehand. So you have... <laughs> <laughs> On the fly. Boom. Uh, <laughs> Twenty-one-year-old <laughs> memories, yo. Let's get it right. <laughs> oh man, uh, I think the initials were W A R F, Warf, Wild Animal Rescue Foundation. I think. Nice. nice. Yeah, pretty sure. I like that. Yeah, and I was there for six weeks. What was that? And sorry. No, continue. No, please continue. Oh, uh, then I moved up north uh, and uh, did a volunteer at a children's home okay. for what was supposed to be six weeks. And then I kind of left after uh, four. 
<laughs> but the kids are lovely. <laughs> but it was too much. <laughs> oh, what, okay. So this is an interesting one because when it comes to the group homes, a lot of people don't, I mean, I guess whether they know or not or care, but, you know, they're usually government run, right? So, <laughs> you know, uh, so it, I remember whenever we did it with uh, the, why am I, why am I forgetting my people's name right now? Uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> How does it feel now? <laughs> the tables have turned. Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> uh, with my guys over, right? Yo, with my guys over at Naksu Academy, um, the, 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 the rugby volunteer program, you know, we dealing with the, the, the boys home, you know, knowing that, you know, it's it, these kids that, Aren't, like typically we think the orphans are either just uh, dead parents or, you know, just abandoned. But some of them, it really is like parents just had to drop them. The parents are still not even always necessarily that far. They're, they're just, yeah, just, yeah. They, they just can't, can't care for them. Yeah. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So yeah. the, the, the way that these kids um, interact is, is, you know, I don't know. Like, I, I guess with the Naksu boys, they were, they were really nice for me and, and but you can feel the need for emotional attachment like they 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 really gravitate towards it maybe even to yeah. an extent that you're just like yo like this is a lot but yeah know, it makes sense you know whenever you're there for those four weeks four weeks no. all the judgment no. <laughs> that's a long time to live with like i take i was there for two days so i don't even know why. <laughs> I, we did like i can't even say a full two days it might have been like eight hours like i was like oh my gosh yo i would love to do this but uh yo there's a lot of love i didn't i didn't i didn't i don't know if i have the energy for what how much you guys are admitting out right now but exactly exactly you know but in in seeing that again how did it continue to to create your your worldview, and I, I, I'm leading into something with this, obviously, but it's it, I think it's really important because all these things naturally bit you know develop in. So for you, you know, being able to see that experience, um, like going into it, like how did coming out of it, I guess maybe better. Like what, how do you feel it impacted it a little bit from there? Well, I. So from there, I decided that uh, I wanted to pivot my actual job into something that was more altruistic. I wanted to to be a full time volunteer and continuously help uh, underserved communities. And so then that's when I transitioned to Doctors Without Borders. Okay. See now. See now. Now we're getting into getting into the nitty gritty. All right. So <laughs> Got you. I got you. See, you see what we did. No. <laughs> Have you done this before? It's like you've got a play. <laughs> Doing mind games. What? <laughs> Oprah style. No. Oprah style. <laughs> I didn't get the Kleenex. So they was. We 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 just said send the virtual the virtual tissues. I got you. I got you. No, no. Uh, but you know, it, with with that, and then uh, what were you doing in New Zealand with the work study? Was that going into the Doctors Without Borders, or that came afterwards? Uh, that came afterwards. Uh, in New Zealand, I was the uh, general manager for the Christchurch men's basketball team. Okay. All right. Correct. <laughs> 
All right. Kirill, we need Kirill. Is that not a normal backpacker's job? I don't, I mean, I don't know. You know, you know, I I know the everyday person just randomly gets into high administrative positions at the one of the centerpiece <laughs> towns in a country's uh um, second or third largest sport at, at, at said point in time. But you know, hey, you know, I, I know I don't know why you think it would be a unique situation. I don't know. <laughs> 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 little things that are not on the bio so okay you you need to explain this one all right okay. oh. <laughs> so you go into new zealand you go into from hey i'm volunteering backpacking hey just doing normal things too i am running a team in new yes. zealand in yes. the capital area i know christchurch capital area we know it i mean now for the South Island. Yeah. Yeah. And 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 in men's basketball, which New Zealand, again, we're talking 2000. This is coming into the Olympics as they're starting to enter into that. What year? Uh, this was 2010. 2010? Okay. Yeah. Even more, as they are more integrated into basketball, and you're starting to see people starting to pick off into the NBA and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. How did this how did this work out here? How, how, what, what what happened? Well, <laughs> uh, when I first got to Christchurch, I stayed at a hostel, um, and I was there for nearly two months trying to figure out, you know, what job am I going to get? And the owners of the hostel were friends with the owners of the basketball team. So it was a husband and wife. Um, team and so the the wife was the pretty much the president ceo and the husband was the coach of the team and they had met in the u.s playing basketball in california and then moved back to new zealand um so the team was in its second year and so they had done everything themselves in that first year and so uh amy was looking for some help uh in in the office and just to get the logistics together and um uh, she was like, an American, you're hired. <laughs> yes. So what are your credentials? Well, I was born. <laughs> Anything else? I did track two. No, 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 no. We already got you at board. <laughs> Chicago area, so we like Michael Jordan as well, too. So you just all see it. <laughs> How do you not know what's going on over here? Yo. So that was super cool. I, I, I really, I, I do recognize that. Yes, that was a that was a really awesome job to have. Um, I really enjoyed it. I, I did like the logistics for the visiting teams. Got all of the the stuff together for the fans. Um, sent all the info to the uh, the league um, after you know the scores and stats and stuff, and compiled all the stuff. Dealt with the sponsors. Like Are you still getting that same kind of thrill that you had whenever you were at Tufts and you went back to your high school and you were just like. Oh my gosh, I get to organize 
organizing <laughs> sports teams again? Like, oh, my heart, like where, where was this feeling? <laughs> yeah, finally, yeah. <laughs> I, well, so what? I mean, I, I had been in construction for four years, and, and that is all about the organization of the process, right? You know, the electrician can't go until this guy does this first and this guy does this first. Da, 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 da. So, I, I mean, logistics are, are my bread and butter. So. No, okay, so so you're compiling all these pieces, all right. You're you're getting these different these different views and perspectives. So you've you've gone from understanding, yo, I'm can switch and change my major. So you you, you get this change pace because I'm assuming you're pretty structured. Considering what I'm getting, you're a very structured person by all intents and purposes in terms of like like things in organized. Maybe structure is the wrong word, but yeah, that you took, the, which I can juggle well, a lot of balls, I think. There we go. There we go. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> you know, so y- you have this, you, you go into rugby, you have this expressive experience, and that you get to go and you have with Howard, you get these people. You come over to, uh, you know, Southeast Asia, and now you're getting to deal with the, the volunteer, and this now changes your perspective from just work for profit to work for purpose, you know, mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. you get New Zealand. So, how did it now then take you from from there to going through Africa and then obviously now where you are with Sri Lanka and, you know, even going into Houston for the time being like there's, you know, I, I, I got questions. Girl. I All right. This so, is my show. We got all the time in the world. No. <laughs> <laughs> I dare somebody to say break. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we're pretty entertaining, so I think no, the people you know, want to know. I, I, I'm enjoying it. I, I, I'm here for it. All right. If nobody else listens, I'm enjoying this. Listen, I'll go back and be like, "Yo, let me, let me, let me stand on Kirill a little bit more." Right. <laughs> uh, what was the question? No, I just. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I'm in New Zealand. Um, uh, my visa runs out, uh, so I continue my backpacking. Um, and so, from from Australasia, I did go to Africa, backpacked a bit through there. Um, I was in South Africa in time for the FIFA World Cup, so that was cool. Uh, and then eventually ran out of money in Egypt, which uh, I lament to this day because I was so close to Syria, and I'm like. I was going to get there, and then I ran out of money, and then, ah, so that sucks. But anyway, so ran out of money, came back to the U.S., and uh, so my mother uh, was a professor at uh, Texas Southern University. Nice. Ah, Funny story. Uh, I didn't tell my mom I was coming home, and so dad is in Chicago, mom is in Houston. I've been to Chicago. Let's go check out Houston. Of course. Um, (laughs) So I fly into... Houston, I think I had um, a layover in in another U.S. city, and um, but I don't know where my mom lives, right? <laughs> She's just moved to Houston. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I know this is uh, I know this was back in the day of 2011, 2012. I mean, yeah. you know, yeah. so long ago. Um, yeah. There, I heard there was this crazy technology. I don't know if you knew about it. We called hmm. it the cell phone. <laughs> yeah, I heard that you're able to communicate with one person to the next 
Possibly finding information. <laughs> like, in my head, it was going to be like an amazing movie type surprise. You know, I was going to knock on the door and she's going to be like, oh, I'm excited to see you. Right? But I just need to get that little detail of the address in, right? <laughs> so, I mean, I really wanted to surprise her, but I was like, okay, no, I need to call her because I don't know where I'm going. <laughs> Um, so in my layover, I call her and I'm like, mom, guess what? I'll be in Houston in three hours. And she was like, what? I'm in Louisiana. The <laughs> 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 weekend and she had gone to Louisiana for New Orleans for vacation. And I was like, oh, cool, 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 cool. No, it's fine. I'll be okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm I'm only a little broke, you know, no worries. Just, just, I just got to get there. And then it's, it's like nothing. Like, yeah, like can't find stuff. What? I just, I'll, I'll see you when you get back. No big deal. I'll uh, sleep in the apartment. Cool, 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 cool. Uh, no. <laughs> so she, uh, she gave me her address. She called her apartment complex. They let me in her apartment. And then, because right. right. it was just Nola, she drove right back <laughs> uh, the next day. I know this drive all too well. I know this drive all too well. <laughs> exactly. So, but I digress in that story. But uh, so the. <laughs> The real meat and potatoes is that uh, she had just started working at Texas Southern University. Um, and, of course, she's super proud of me. Uh, so she tells all of her colleagues about me. And one of her professors said, oh, well, can she come and give a talk to my class? It was an international something-something class. So I gave my little PowerPoint presentation on uh, my travels. And then the professor took me out to lunch after that. And I told her that I wanted to continue to travel. And she said, ah, oh, well, if you do and you want to do your volunteer work as well, you should really look at Doctors Without Borders because they need more than just the medical uh, professionals, and which I didn't know at the time. So I looked it up, and yeah, sure enough, there's a whole uh, logistical side to Doctors Without Borders. So they hire um, mechanics, IT people, HR and finance, um, supply managers and uh, logisticians who do the logistics and with a wee bit of construction in there. So um, I applied to Doctors Without Borders um, and yeah, a couple months later um, I was hired and uh, they flew me to Kenya for 10 months for my first assignment. Okay, so... All right, so so you you were able to now get back into to 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 the continent. Um, so this is where I, I go the interesting components. You're you're traveling to all these places. How much of the rugby were you actually getting involved? Because I know it's a little bit difficult to be able to play and and go. But I'm assuming there was places that you had a chance to stop. Uh, Sydney not being uh, a typical kind of outlet, you know. And I know clearly in Houston you played. So like, what yeah. was were you able to get experience of playing while you were on your backpacking journey itself? In New Zealand, I joined the Christchurch team, and for preseason warm-ups, uh, we're on the beach doing, like, jogging the dunes and stuff, and there's this one woman who's out ahead, and I was, I can't remember, how old was I at the time? I was, like, 29 or something. I mean, I was pretty fit, and I was like, ah, well, I'll just keep up with her. Right. And um, so I, I did okay. And then the next preseason training, we went to a stadium, and we started running stairs. <sighs> and I tried to keep up with this same woman, and I was just like, <laughs> wow, who is that? Oh, that's just the captain of the uh, – <laughs> 
<laughs> the women's national team. No big deal. <laughs> wait, that was uh, uh, Pratt, wait, uh, Melissa Rusco. Wow. Yeah, wow. she was a captain of the Christchurch team as well as the uh, <laughs> national team at the time. Just a black fern, no, no biggie again. <laughs> I only no. deal with champions. This is all I deal with in my life. <laughs> you peons and your normal people. Why are you not regularly running into world champion people? <laughs> Well, next time on my travel, I just happened to be just like chilling with Portia Woodman one day while we were just. Next, <laughs> 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 Charlie Castlick, and we were just like getting a drink. I don't even know. Yeah. I only deal with champions. <laughs> no big deal, you know. I did once uh, go to the bar uh, right next to Richie McCaw in Christchurch. You know, you know, you know. <laughs> Richie. You know, I played cool, so it's whatever. Uh... <laughs> So, but in that, like, just seeing how it's played over in New Zealand, obviously had to have been different and, and, and taking a different uh, look at how how the game yeah. gets moved around. Obviously, right? Yeah, uh, it it was it was another well. So the by far the coolest part was just the support of the club. Right, there was a clubhouse. We got a shirt with like a little emblem on there. There was a trainer, and I was like, oh, how much is that going to cost to go see, uh, you know, the uh, the physical therapist? And they were like, it's free, or part of your dues, or whatever. And I was like, oh. what is uh, this universal health care? Exactly, Who ever heard of this thing? Exactly. <laughs> That's insane. Bloody con. Uh, <laughs> 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 uh highly recommend <laughs> oh, yeah um, <laughs> but yeah no it was it was lovely playing with them and so i only got uh one season with them because yeah visa um but uh it was great and i yeah still still talk to uh, a lot of people on the team today so all right and and you were you able to do anything uh, on the continent initially? Whenever you first were doing the backpacking, whenever you arrived in uh, South Africa and made your way up to Egypt, were you able to do any any playing around that time? Uh, so funny enough, when I was in Kenya, um, I did end up doing another uh, volunteer vacation. So I was doing like uh, construction on a, an elementary school. Well, I should say rehabilitation on an elementary school, and um, I was in a town called Nakuru. And they had a rugby team, and, but they didn't have women's. Mm -hmm. So I uh, just went out to check out the men's team, and uh, it, 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 they were in season, and so they would travel um, to other cities to play. And uh, somehow I ended up being like the MC for the, the tournament when it came to Nakuru. <laughs> Which was horrible because I couldn't pronounce anybody's name. And I was like, ah. <laughs> oh my goodness. But I had a girl last week. Yeah. Oh, yes. I, I, I uh, embedded myself in the, the Nakuru rugby community. So that was pretty cool. And then when I went back, 
to Kenya with Doctors Without Borders. I was still in touch with some of them, called them up. Um, and so I was in a different town. Uh, so I, there was no rugby in the, the smaller town that I was working in, but I did switch to Nairobi. And so then I got to go and see some games. I uh, still did play, but at least I could watch games. There's still that little bit of a tap into the community. There. Yeah. So yeah. from there, going into Kenya for Doctors Without Borders, you ended up in Uganda for the uh, Ebola crisis, right? I was uh, Liberia. Liberia. Yeah. So I did, uh, in total, I did seven different assignments with Doctors Without Borders. Uh, here we go with the memory. <clears throat> Kenya, Laos, Kyrgyzstan, Liberia, Ethiopia, South Sudan and Sierra Leone. Nice. I did it. Let's go. Uh, <laughs> Let's go. But, uh, I was going to say the twenty-year-old memory, but now, now we're, we're cutting it into the five and six years. It's <laughs> still very hard to remember. Okay. So. I mean, look, whenever you have so many random experiences with all these champions and all this awesomeness, like, I, I, get, I get how it can all start to just like start running together. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm trying. I'm trying. <laughs> oh. So yes, I was in Liberia working in an Ebola treatment center for six weeks. So, what was that? Because obviously, we know from we, Ebola. Obviously, is known in two ways. It's either known from the movie experience. Or it's known about the crisis experience that we, we were worried. So in, in being in that, and obviously, though you're not medical, you were still on the scene, even as logistics. What yep. was what was what was that like in real life? Was it was it you know what I'm gonna just say it? Was it like seeing people's whole bodies blow up with blood like it seemed from the movie experience from breakout or whatever that movie was called? Out outbreak? Outbreak. Yeah. Outbreak. Or, so by that time, um, I had learned in my career with Doctors Without Borders, I had learned not to go into the medical rooms, right? Because that's Trump just trauma and PTSD <laughs> that you don't want. Um, so I, I mean, I, the patients that I saw were okay, but yes, Ebola does cause you to bleed from all of your orifices, orifices right. in the end. Um, you can even get hysteria at one point and like super strength. And so there, there is an issue. Yeah. With people who are like, they get delirious and they're like, I got to break out of here. And they try to like run out of the, yeah, like it's bad. Ebola is bad. Um, and if you think you've washed your hands a lot <laughs> during COVID, like Ebola's <laughs> like chlorine baths, you know? No. It's like, ah! it's like, I don't even need skin anymore. Like we, we're just renewing exactly. skin at this point. It, it, that's how sanitized exactly. <laughs> colors in your clothes just start to run. It's just it's whatever, you know. Um, you for life, all right. We're just renewing it. <laughs> renewing yeah. it. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, so so I I happen to. When I got there, one of my tasks was uh, cemetery design because people were dying so quickly that they are just burying them. And then it got to a point where, you know, there's, there's too many graves just like in the front of the uh, there was no organization. Right. So they couldn't get to the back. And so, I, you know, I mean, I'm like designing paths and stuff. I'm just like, oh, this is the worst. Um, but I, I was 
there for kind of the the down um, trend of the the virus in that area. So that that was a good thing. People were starting to recover, and and also the health promotion um, was there. So people knew that you know if your relative gets sick, you need to call for help. Like don't try and take care of them because that's how you get it. Um, so that's that's key. Uh, and. Yeah, I mean, you just have to stay vigilant. Uh, the whole six weeks you're there, from day one, you, you never touch anybody. There's no handshakes. There's no sharing of utensils or cups or anything. Um, in fact, so much so that, like, when I had to fly back to France to do my um, debriefing for the assignment, and, you know, the French do the kiss-kiss thing. And I was like, ah, get away from me. You know, like, don't touch me. <laughs> like, no, why does it sound like you're just coming out of prison? <laughs> I mean, oh, I'm sorry. Ha, 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 yes, come in. Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of a prison, but. <laughs> yeah, true story. Yeah, hey, true story. Yeah, who needs guards whenever you got natural viral dangers? <laughs> yes, yes. But they also, one of the, one of the, uh, designs of the treatment center is to alleviate the stigma of the the virus because yes it is bad but they still do want people to come and visit their relatives so right. we just set up uh, fencing and it's like a six foot apart fencing and so you can bring food to your relatives or I don't know a phone or whatever but whatever goes inside can't come back out so yeah it's going um, but yeah we encourage people to come and visit and uh, so I mean, yeah, there were there were people infected who you know I said hi to daily, um, but they were the people who were recovering or um, were feeling well that day. Hey everybody, this is just the break. Transiting out a personal little video diary to all you people out there, where I am going to document me riding most of the way between Singapore and Tokyo for the 2019 Rugby World Cup. It's number one is because um, it's part of my business, I do Rugby Lovers Guide to Asia. Number two is I want to bring a lot of exposure to the to the rugby clubs and the rugby NGOs and charities. Also on a personal level, I just want to break uh, the funk I've kind of felt I've been into for the last 10 years. So for the next 12 months, I poured myself into the Singapore to Tokyo campaign, but it still wasn't enough. I needed help and it came from Louisiana. We in Singapore, baby! Gift from Gift Time Rugby USA is a extroverted tour de force. Say hi to my people out there. Which makes up for my um social shortcomings. This place is unbelievable. Oh, no! It's not just it's like What's he supposed to do? Morons, a bunch of morons. Guys, picture with me, picture. Australian, g'day mate, you can use my phone. But what unites us is a hunger for adventure. After KL, Kuala Lumpur. Woo! Gift, where are we? We're in Mount Fuji, baby! Our love of Asian rugby culture. One, two, three, is starting to develop here in Cambodia for women as well. Valkyries, the mighty, mighty Valkyries! And allows us to overcome incredible, incredible obstacles. It's just got so thick. It's 
just so thick here now, it's pouring down rain again. But coming to this Thai-Cambodia border has renewed all the aggression. So the whole thing's gone buggered. I got hit. What? I got Thailanded by a motorbike. I can just feel that knee, that ankle just going in all the wrong directions under the weight of my body. But that doesn't compare to the pain of, of failure. I'm dying. Oh, I'm dying. And that's what I've been worried about this whole time. We're out here, we're running out of energy, we're running out of money, and we're feeling isolated. And yet at that critical moment, friends, family, sometimes complete strangers come on board. Before you know it, we're back in the game. Tokyo, here we come. Making a comeback. Four weeks, 2,300 miles. Five countries! After all the trials and tribulations, this ride had become deeply personal. All that mattered now was getting to that Rugby World Cup game in Tokyo. Yeah, buddy. All right. Be easy. Go check out redearthfilms.vhx.tv to get your copy of Singapore to Tokyo any way we can. That's redearthfilms.vhx.tv. No, so uh, that's 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 interesting because, again, you know, we, you know, I, I, nobody know. A lot of people are still learning about the continent in Africa, and even though this isn't exactly like the the aspect where it's like, ah, this is what we're trying to dispose the stereotype because I mean we're we're talking about diseases there. But the point that we're is making that though is that you're getting a, a, a I'm assuming that you have a lot more intro and understanding uh, of the people in the areas now as as it began to develop even in this traumatic situation uh, as you yeah. travel you know yeah i always asked this and and i was it was something that always that kicked into me when i was able to start traveling as a, an, an adult aka not with family not structured per se um, mm-hmm. and, and, and so this is like 2016 i started so when i started traveling around the world uh or started my 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 pro, my, my international excursions um I started kind of figuring out that one, you know, as cliche as it is to say, people are very similar across the board. Like I feel hmm. like you, your, your personality types basically are the same in different areas, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, yeah. And then the only thing that you now get is like uh, a cultural characteristic of maybe the country. So one thing hmm. I stopped doing was oh, best and worst. You know that concept. Oh, this country is the best. This country is the worst. No longer okay. exists in my plane, right? Okay. Now it goes to uh, this country just works to this personality types versus this country oh. works to personality types. So, like, okay. I would say, like, U.S., where people will go, like, oh, man, if you go to the best, it's like, no, U.S. isn't the best. You have the characteristic is high ceiling, mm. low floor, figure <laughs> something out in between there and mm-hmm. try and give you your range here. Whereas a place like uh, Japan might be high floor, lower ceiling, but we're going to give you stability. So for you, if you're, you know, you're here about structure, then, hey, Japan works because you'll be able to work, you'll be able to do things, but you you don't have to, your your, your ambition might not be as as um, uh, tickled in, in, in Japan as it might be in the U.S. versus like yeah. Thailand where you have uh, a high ceiling in the sense that it's very uh, entrepreneurial 
and and that you got a lot of freedom and a, a lot of freedom um <laughs> at, at you know your floor is you know you might you have a much lower floor but you still have room in the middle to find that stability it just kind of depends on what your personality type is capable of being able to handle in said moments and the country kind of can fix fixate to it i if that makes okay. sense yeah yeah it does it does I mean, it's that's very optimistic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, as I go into, yeah, yeah, there's some really poor. No, it's it's a super low floor. Like we we went really really low on this. Can you climb up? Arguably, there's the theory of climb, but you know you have the opportunity and and stuff. And obviously, it plays into it. I, I clearly my my very expatty kind of mindset is going into it. Yes. <laughs> I was there for three days. Into. Let me tell you all about it. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Recognize my elitism. Ah! <laughs> I do can wield it. No, but no, no. And, and that's, that's fair. I, I, that's, that's very true. I... I, I I guess I look at it also, even from, even at, considering even at a local base where now you're just talking about restriction of opportunity yeah. and stuff like that. But you know, uh, where you know, we you know in, in the continent, and I know as a Nigerian, like when education comes into play, yo, know, we got the great equalizer that ends up coming in, and hence why there's so much push. So I guess what I'm trying to just get to is for you as you traveled and went through these areas. Um, again, I, the consistent question I ask, how did they continue to adjust and change your world? Um, because now you're taking off your, what you've learned from your childhood. You're taking off being in this HBCU environment, as you said, not the most diverse huh? environment at that time. Uh, uh -huh. Entering into rugby, you know, which is slightly more diverse and a little bit different. Entering yep. into world culture and now, you know, your, your, your view continues to spread more and more and more. Um, yeah. For you, like, yeah. What did this, how did the, the borders without, Doctor Without Borders impact that? Well, so I, I, I really appreciated all of this, the assignments that I did. And you can see your impact on a daily basis. You know, one of my um, favorite assignments was also the hardest, uh, which was in Ethiopia, where we were working with uh, Sudanese refugees who were crossing the border um, to escape a civil war by the thousands every day. Um, and the, the impact that I had was tangible because, um, you know, I'm, I'm fixing the hospital and they immediately can get treated. Um, I'm building housing for the staff and so now they can sleep at night. Um, but with all of that being said, I was not seeing the brighter side of Africa. So that's when I signed up to do the Bessie Pride uh, rugby trip through Africa. And uh, in general, it's an overland uh, trip, but the, the year that I did it, they had just added Mozambique. And so we flew into Mozambique and then flew from Mozambique to Malawi. And then from Malawi, we drove overland to the other countries. Uh, but I spent two months and I estimate uh, we coach probably about a thousand school kids and it's 50-50. So we're talking 500 boys, 500 girls, which is another thing I really like about the program. Um, and yeah, it was amazing. And I signed up to do it again this year, but you know how that goes. Yeah, you know, the pandemic seems to be a big damper on a lot of, yeah. a lot, a lot of things. Yeah. You know, Total it, it, it was funny because when it came to the Bubesi 
pride project. So I, I, I think I told you uh, whenever you had presented it initially within the group mm -hmm. was uh, I, I, I've been trying to get um, uh, the, the, the guy who runs um, uh, what you call it? Rugby. Uh, shucks, I can't remember the name of it right off the top of my head. It's a, it's a well-known mm -hmm. rugby website. Um, okay. The guy who founded it, and it's literally going to come to me like 20 minutes later, and I'm going to be saying it out loud, but, you know, it's okay. We're just going to put it right now. But, uh, <laughs> you know, I, it, was, it was something that he had talked about, and then he actually had done a um, – I'm literally trying to search and be like, all right, what's his name? Tell me his name. <laughs> Cheater. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it was, it was, it was like – he was he showed me this uh documentary that he got he had done about it and his experience with with, with the Bubesi Pride project mm -hmm. in Maui. And it was just it reminded me so much again of Naksu in, in Thailand and uh mm -hmm. uh, uh in, in, in Cambodia, uh just mm -hmm. the African version, which was really uplifting because again it you was utilizing rugby and after the, the Singapore to Tokyo trip. I've really been able to get a grasp of being able to say um, how rugby can legitimately impact culture and not just from a standpoint of sports and athleticism, but literally uh -huh. mindset and development. Because, you know, whenever you learn how to hit people uh, in a positive way, uh, it definitely helps change the way that you look at the world. And we have to make sure we say in a positive way so that nobody goes like, ah, oh, man, wait, if I just whoop somebody in the face and walk by, I, I can get new changes. Like, no, 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 calm down. <laughs> yeah, I, I got that real smooth. <laughs> oh, I got you. I, I, <laughs> we not going to start any liability movements, huh? <laughs> right? <laughs> but Gip said. Yeah, Gip said it was okay. Go, people. Let's go. <laughs> You'll change your world. Yeah. But, <laughs> but yeah, you know, you have, have that, that, that moment whenever you see that. So whenever I was seeing in Malawi and what they were doing, um, you know, I was impressed from, from your ground view, obviously coaching the kids is one thing. And I, I can't imagine that there's significantly better feelings than being able to watch kids in, in, in situations that are, uh, yeah. disadvantages, uh, disadvantages towards them being mm -hmm. able to grow within that. But for you at another, at a next level, what were you seeing from what you, what you were doing to how the kids were reacting to how it kind of reacted to them in their, uh, in their local towns and in the homes? Yeah. Well, so uh, let me just explain a little bit about what it is. Um, so in general, um, Bubesi will go to a city and uh, let's say you have 10 volunteers in groups of two. Uh, you'll fan out in this, the city and go to local elementary schools. So you've got now five uh, schools. And for from Monday to Friday, we teach the kids just rugby touch basics. Um, and again, we, we talk to the schools beforehand. So, you know, we get them on like, uh, they don't really have recess, <laughs> um, but we get them during a, a specific period. Like a break so, time or so. Yeah, like exactly. Exactly. Exact break time. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so, or, or maybe they do have like a, a gym coach. And so, yeah, the gym coach will be there. So not only do we teach the kids how to play, but we also teach the adults so that when we leave, then they can continue uh, to coach the kids. 
So Monday through Friday, you coach them, and they pick it up like that. You know, the first day, it's chaos. And by the second day, like, they're on it. They know Everybody's what to do. All in. Yeah, yeah. You've got, like, all-stars. Uh, by, by day three, you're like, oh, yeah, I want him on my team. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so then on Saturday, all five schools come together and we put on a big tournament. So we just uh, mark out little small pitches because um, the kids don't need that much space to run. And uh, we just for a couple hours uh, play team versus team, getting the, the schools to play each other. And then at the end, you award uh, a winner. And so the kids love it. Um yeah, and so it's just it's just super fun watching watching it click. Um, with regard to the community, because we're only at the schools like during school hours, like you don't really get to see you know how the kids then take that out into the community. Yeah, yeah. Um, but they do they the program do go back to um, schools if they can. So, you know, there's there's certain schools in Malawi that they've been going to for four or five years now. Um, so you're, you're starting to see how the rugby develops. Um, and then as a result, Malawi rugby, um, their club teams are now developing, right? Because you've got kids coming from elementary and now they're yeah, yeah, playing in high school. Exactly, exactly. So uh, it is it is the essential, the quintessential grassroots rugby experience. Right. You know, uh, and I found the name. So, and that's why I was going to go through it. I was like, I finally got a grant constable with rugby dump. Oh, God, it was going to drive me crazy if I didn't get this out of the way. Okay. <laughs> but, uh, you know, no, so you're, you're, you're seeing that. And you, obviously, like you said, you're getting that there. But at the same time, even though if you're not maybe seeing the kids themselves, but you're still living in Malawi. You're still living yes. in that area. You're still interconnecting yeah. with the lo local area. Like, how did you see the local area kind of being uh, impacted? Because from when I was looking at the documentary, like, and you just said, a thousand kids. There's a thousand <laughs> kids that you're dealing with. Like, this is not a tiny number. Like, yeah. we'd be happy to have that many kids in the stand on a day to day. <laughs> <laughs> like, yo, 1,500 to 2,000 people in their stands. You already got a third of that, half to a third of that, two thirds of that in, 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 in teaching kids. So, you know, how is that like whenever you guys are walking around in, in the townships, in the, the village areas, um, mm -hmm. you know, how are they reacting to the rugby uh, being presented? And so now I'm trying to think. So you definitely, you get that experience in Malawi. Well, so you typically stay kind of like in a campsite or a, um, uh, what's it called? Uh, not a bed and breakfast, oh, a homestay. Um, we stayed, yeah, yeah, in one in um, Botswana, it was a homestay. And so it was kind of like a, Again, you're not really integrated with the community. Um, Zambia, yeah, it was. There were literally zebras in the campgrounds <laughs> that we Seriously? stayed on. <laughs> yes, man. I, I, no, it's not just all animals. No, 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 no. We really did have like the, the zebras were all just around. Like, it was like, we had a ooh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. 
and, and part of that is because we are a group of about 15 people, right? So it's, it's kind of hard to be like, hey, where can we stay, you know, in the community? Sure, and we sure. all have to stay together. And yeah, and so we're in a hostel or a, yeah, right. yeah. And, and then we need people. to cook for ourselves and exactly. all of that. Yeah. But what they do do is they do reach out to local existing rugby uh, clubs. So in Malawi, we we go to uh, one of the, the local clubs and like we train with them in the evenings and like help improve their skills and do scrimmages. Um, and where was that? Ooh, it's all blended together. Um, <laughs> See, this is why we need to record this. So just in case you completely forget all this in the future, you can be like, look, we got a reference point. All right? We got a reference point. <laughs> <laughs> but I can clearly see because I, I take photos, right? So I can clearly see the photo. Like I know exactly who's standing where, but I can't remember what country it was. Uh, <laughs> <but> <laughs> list memories. Right. <laughs> uh, it wasn't Botswana. It wasn't. Was it Zambia? It must have been Zambia then. In Zambia, yeah, we played. And they were almost like a, a national team. There, there were a few um, national team, and then some local teams. And we played a co-ed team as Bubesi um, against them. So I mean, we we play all levels, high school to um, club. national ish. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so that is how we we integrate with the the rugby community. And and then of course, you know, maybe sometimes we go out and and see what the the Friday scene is like. And or the night baby. <laughs> but not always. It's about the community, yeah, you know. You gotta keep the tags on. But yeah, you guys, we're getting lit. I got you, you know. <laughs> Turn it up at the campsite. <laughs> I just need people to know, even though this is the longest that we've had the conversation uh, ever, and uh, but this is just every time we have a conversation, it's just it's, we're just laughing. Uh, it's already been like almost an hour, so you know this. I just now feel like a good time to put a disclaimer, like I, <laughs> just in case you skip to this moment. <laughs> we're pretty ridiculous. Okay. <laughs> So, oh man, but you know, you guys, you guys out there, you know, you, you, you live in there and you're getting to see most of that, that South Africa, literal Southern Africa, not just South Africa, see mm -hmm. Southern Africa at its, at its mm -hmm. clearest. And, and I always, this is one I always like to ask the, the presented, the, 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 the grown up U.S. presented versus now the, um, the real reality, what you're experiencing now, how how close were they? How close or how? What was the difference that you felt between compare and contrast on it? Um. What? Well, so I don't. I think people would be surprised at most capitals. Um, capital areas are pretty bustling. You know, uh, they're live and and um, <laughs> uh, chaotic to say the least. <laughs> like most capitals are, you know, I mean, Colombo yeah. is like that. Um, but I think, yeah, out in the the more rural areas, it kind of speaks true 
um, to the more simple houses. Um, you are having well water. Um, there's, you know, running water for like the entire village a lot of times. Um, electricity though is, well, it depends on where you are. You could have electricity. Um, rolling, rolling uh, electricity. <laughs> I was thinking, like, even the capital in Zambia has rolling blackouts, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This, one is, this, this one is very well known. Uh, the, the Nap <laughs> what used to be called NEPA in Nigeria, uh, and I think mm. Nigerian Electrical Power Association, whatever. We always just say, mm -hmm. never expect power always. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you, you, you learn to enjoy those fans for the moment, and then you <sighs> All the cool air that can blow through, feel it, get the sensitivity in your skin, <laughs> whatever you need. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's, there's always that one bar though with the generator. <laughs> True story. True story. Yo, the generator life is too real, and it's always, and it's always good. And you're like, yo, where are you getting all this petrol from? Like, how are you keeping this? Up? It's been like 16 hours. Like, you turn the thing off. Like, how are you not overheating? And it'd be the jankiest looking generator, too. And it's like, runs perfect. It runs so well. Like, it might be loud. Is it real mechanics, though? This, this is where you go, yo, how creative are you at making things happen? All right? Mm. Like, ah, it broke a little bit. No, no, no. You don't replace it. You, you're going to create parts for it and make it work. It's MacGyver it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Facts. So okay. So, but yeah. So it it, it is. I I've always felt like there was like uh, I, I always remember whenever I've, I've been to Nigeria whenever I was a kid, and then we didn't go again as a family mm -hmm. for like twelve years, and then uh, mm -hmm. fourteen years, and then I went again. And I remember right before my brother and I we went again, we had fallen into the trap of what the uh, the world likes to tell us about. Nigeria versus what we, we, you know, we knew because, you know, you go yeah. as kids, you recognize only so much. And mm -hmm. We were like, ah, oh, man, it's going to be so boring. We're not going to be able to connect anything, blah, blah, blah. This is like 2012. Mm -hmm. And um, we get to Nigeria and man, I, I remember my brother and I, we were sat there and we we're like, man, I don't, I don't know why we even said these things like this. This is yeah. so dope. Like yeah. maybe it's just because we were kids, kids. I mean, cause he was technically still a kid cause he's seven years younger. Than mm -hmm. me, but, mm -hmm. but it was like, we definitely needed the reminder to be like, no, no, no. This this place is dope. Don't let people fool you. Yeah. It's got its issues, yeah. but that's yeah. no different than being like, hey, let me go up to the, you know, the West Virginia, the outskirts of uh, uh, West Virginia, and be like, exactly, oh, exactly. Know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> is this yeah. America? Yes. Appalachia. What? <laughs> here no but it, it is that same guys and but like when you get into the gritty it's just like it's it's the same across the board mm -hmm. so it was it was a nice reminder on that so that's why i was wanted to see the experience. yeah yeah for sure yeah so last thing wanted to as we begin to wrap it up um yep. you know and you know i'd probably talk a little bit more but later but uh and we will you will be back on here again at some point again okay in the future, i'll let you know um, okay <laughs> I got projects, so Let's yeah. Go. <laughs> so you know, we've we've been all into discussion, especially after this pandemic. I, I I've been big believer that the pandemic set up a new era of rugby, what I like to call the um, 
the diversity recognition era. Not so much that mm. there are different people who play, but now there's the recognition of cultural. So maybe more of the cultural component of rugby, where now mm. instead of rugby being influenced into culture, culture gets to be uh, shown through the filter of rugby. So now we get to see people's variation and perspectives of rugby because we have to recognize them, whether it's South Pacific and really showing South Pacific or whether we're here and we're showing the different cultural elements, you know, uh, BIPOC and whatever kind of concepts instead of just a maybe Eurocentric variation of it. Yeah. So as a result, we're now seeing like HBCUs continue to be more put into the light. We started seeing it a couple of years ago after George mm -hmm. Floyd, I feel like everything now became very much amped up. And so it gets to the creation of the James G. Robertson and Clive Sullivan Rugby Foundation, which, you know, you have been uh, organizing and, and putting together behind the scenes. And a lot of people have been asking questions. I, I keep getting asked about it. Oh, yo, have you talked to Kirill? Have you talked to Kirill? Have you talked to Kirill? What's going on? I'm like, all right, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like y'all are late to the game, not me. <laughs> like, <laughs> We've been talked. <laughs> been about this. Like, what's up? You know. <laughs> you know, I want to give you. Uh, one need to take an opportunity to kind of explain what it is that you've been envisioning in this, and obviously what we a lot in in the the the, the black rugby community, to say the least, have been discussing for the latter part of the last year or two yeah well so, uh my baby it's tosin's baby but um i've been oh, able i'm anyway. a catalyst oh just do huh? it quickly guys you can listen to toes on on the previous episodes that are there okay go <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> gotta put in the intro plug we we got a connection here <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so he probably in February made a post about starting uh, uh, HBCU teams. And I was like, you ready? Like now, now? And he's like, now, now, let's do it. And so here we are, maybe uh, a month later, um, we are incorporated. We filed articles of incorporation with the state of Maryland. We're working on the 501c3. Um, so we're ready to get money. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Literally, <laughs> it's so lame. Sorry. <laughs> it's real, uh, though. It's real, and and, and yeah. but but that's the, look, look. We this this is one thing in rugby. Money plays into stuff, so we we want to be able to start being able yes. to push it. And I and it's one thing, obviously, because you know I I I I obviously my my particular interest with it, obviously with the HBCU Rugby Classic and being able to see more HBCU teams. It's been really nice relief to have more people. Uh, now begin to organize process. We got guys like Marcus Woods and uh, uh, Marquise yeah. Goodwin and Phaedra Knight. And uh, uh, there's, there's been so many people toes on yourself who have been yeah. working. And, and and even though the, the articles of incorporation have just recently come in, the official conversation might have just started. We have unofficially been talking about this for yes. a hot minute. A long time. Uh, yeah. So, so yeah. It's, it's, it's not something that is just out of nowhere. And obviously with the HBCU rugby, uh, yep. you know, shirts and stuff like this for me. So, <laughs> but for you, you know, what being a Howard alumni, um, you know, being a, a, I like to say a, a, a HBCU, 
well, call, let's say HBCU brat, like, you know, Army brat, HBCU brat, you being able to maneuver around, okay. maneuver around within it. Want to make sure there was no offense. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> I am a college brat. I have moved around because of colleges, because of dad. <laughs> you know, wow. so I just go university, university. You know, I just want to really dig in, you know. Well, being but no, no, but, you know, being able to have moved within these HBCUs because of your mother and have these experiences. Uh, you recognize that there is a cultural element. For you, I, I've told many people my thoughts on why I think HBCUs are really a natural connection with rugby. But for you, um, what do you feel is the, uh, the the value proposition that goes with HBCUs and, and rugby? Well, I just feel like there's a massive population um, of our community that probably doesn't even know what rugby is, but would be amazing rugby players. Like there's a, there's this population that we need to tap into. The resources uh, are what's missing because the, the talent and the skill is already there. Uh, we know that. So, so let me backtrack a bit. Um, so what the, the foundation is, is um, we are a nonprofit foundation who will provide HBCUs with the resources that they need to grow and develop um, and flourish in the game of rugby. So, we come in with uh, the expertise and the know-how and the money, and uh, we present to the HBCU. Um, here is what the addition of a women's NCAA team will do for your school, um, and here's how um, a men's club will also bolster your uh, your applications and your scholarships and your you know all the bottom line. Uh, numbers that they're looking for. Uh, and so we just want to tap into what there's a hundred HBCUs. So our, our goal is not a hundred, but you know, said 119 19 okay okay all right so we, we're but we're aiming for um in our first year um and beyond uh for maybe two or three years uh to tap into the dmv so we're targeting howard um also udc Bowie state and morgan state just because of the proximity of all of those schools and uh the the alumni resources that they have and of course the the talent of the students and we just want to build uh in the, the that area um a little for school tourney that will eventually, you know, grow and insert into the war larger world of um, collegiate rugby. Is there a reason why uh, you, you had a question? Um, uh, I was wondering, you know, are, is there a reason why you're particularly leaving out a uh, a certain Virginia-based school that uh, has similar similar uh, 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 acronym to? Are there schools uh, in Oh, I, 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 I do believe there, there, there might be another one. It, it, it goes, it has a U. It also has an H to it, you know. I'll, uh, I'll have to research that. I just, uh, off the top of my head, I can't think of anything. I'll just, I'll Hamp, uh, Hampt, Hampton? Uh, I, I have yeah, Hampton. You know, <laughs> 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 For people who don't know. <laughs> All know, Hampton and Howard are, uh, are are really nice rivals of each other. Uh, just uh, yeah, I, I, I'm still actually still learning the full extent. I know outside of just the the HU extent, but uh, you 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 guys clash in a good way. Well, I mean, if you look at the statistics, it's not really a competition. But moving on. Uh, 
So, <laughs> 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 it's shady in here. Um, <laughs> it really did get very dark. You really did. Get very dark. <laughs> <Sips> tea. <laughs> Gracious. Oh. <laughs> so yes, we have big plans starting for the uh, upcoming fall semester. Uh, we uh, plan to have a women's NCAA team and a men's club at Howard. Uh, if we get enough money, we can do two schools in that first year. Uh, it all depends on the the fundraising, um, but at a minimum, uh, it will be Howard, and then we move on to the other three. Awesome, awesome. Which means I can't wait to be able to have you guys down at the HBCU Rugby Classic and be mm -hmm. on and, and and compete out out here. You know, so yeah. you can, uh, actually, because you know we we like to do things in the spring, summer, and I know you guys are still all wintry and cold. And stuff. <laughs> <laughs> you say that, but I'm so far out of the loop in Sri Lanka. Is it what is winter? I, 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 I recognize. I was like, let me, let me, let me step you out of this because you, you, you over ten and a half hours in like <laughs> persistent warmth. So I, I can't put shade on you. So I'm putting on your other compatriots. All right. <laughs> the rest of this movie, <laughs> you will get the shade by association, but I can't talk about it to you. <laughs> Just to let your audience know, that is how passionate I am. I'm doing all of this work from Sri Lanka on the other side of the world. Absolutely, so. and 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 the consistency—that's a whole other story. And I, I honestly, I would say we had time, but I, I actually think. We don't because we're going to give him something to come back to. All right. Okay. Uh, I feel like there's a whole different tale uh, altogether. <laughs> the adventurer. I put the wrong thing. I put rugby humanitarian. I should have put it as rugby adventurer over here. Scroll <laughs> I don't know that anyone actually knows what a rugby humanitarian is. So. This is why it works. Because <laughs> There is no label for you. There is no label. You 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 miss everything. All right. <laughs> I I'm trying. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh my god. Oh, I love it. I'm telling you, people are gonna be like, "Yo, this is like the Snyder cut of of the interviews." Like. This is all, instead of slow motion, it's all laughs. Like, it's like a 30-minute interview. Like, what's going on? Look, we can't help that we happy people, man. We, 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 we happy people. Are you not entertained? Are you not entertained? Quote for days. Love it. Love it. So, okay. Okay. Where can people go to... Um, learn more about James G. Robertson and Clive Sullivan Rugby Foundation. My goodness, where did these names come from, by the way? <laughs> let's, let's ah, just... yes, that is that is the post that I uh, I'm <laughs> going to put on uh, Instagram and Facebook uh, today. So we are named after two of the most prominent black men in rugby history. Uh, so James G. Robertson was the first man, black man on record to have played rugby. He played in Scotland. Uh, right. 
Uh, he did the Gambia uh, to a Scottish father and a Gambian mother, and then he moved to Scotland for school and played there in Edinburgh. And Clive Sullivan um, was the first black man to captain any sports team in Great Britain. So he was the captain of the World Cup winning uh, 1972. I'm glad I just did all this today. because Otherwise, I'd be like, oh. I'm all the best to go prepared. Like, let's go. Uh, he was the captain of the 1972 uh, World Cup winning rugby league team um, in Great Britain. And he also played um, for Wales. He was Welsh. Nice. Nice. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm, that's awesome. That's really put some history into this. Let's go. Let's yeah. go. So, uh, all right. so, so, so as I said, you know, where can people find um, or soon to find information about James G. Robert Robertson and Clive Sullivan Rugby Foundation? You know, I'm not even going to acronym it. I'm going to let it all run out. Let people get used to hearing all the names. All right. Appreciate you. <laughs> RSRF for short. I was ready to go. I was like, BGRCS. No, you know what? Screw that. We're just, we're just going to get this out <laughs> it's harder to acronym than it is to even say the name. Uh, so we do have uh, an Instagram, um, and ooh, and what is it? Where's my phone? Uh, <laughs> we have an Instagram and a Facebook. <laughs> um, it's new, new, right? So, and also my memory. Uh, I do believe it's uh, RS Rugby Foundation, right? Because it was too long to put uh, both of their their names in. So, I, I do believe it's RS Rugby Foundation on both Instagram and Facebook. But if you type out the full thingy, you should be able to find us as well. Right. Right. All right. Awesome. 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 Well, Kirill, yo, I really appreciated this. I enjoyed this. This was a great because you know, I just got back from Brazil yesterday. So, like, this oh. was a nice first, like, wake up. I, I look, I'm trying. You, you're doing that. I'm just trying to get like you. All right, like, I'm trying to get build up to that level. Like, <laughs> you know me. <laughs> it's Friday night over here. You know, I'm ready to. Yeah, yeah we, we, we we trying. All right, I, I'm, I'm gonna get there. I'm I'm, I'm gonna get there today. I get okay. to be lit in Malawi randomly, or Zimbabwe, or Zambia, <laughs> or somewhere in South Southern Africa. We're just, just we're getting there. We're slow and steady. <laughs> but you know, I, I I appreciated being able to to do this. I know we've been we've talked, and I'd love getting to actually now have a solid base to to really call you family in this course because now mm -hmm. I know know you much better now. And uh, yo. Uh, can't wait to see more and, and can't wait to continue working with you. Indeed. Thank you so much for having me on and letting me address the world. <laughs> Give yourself out. Give it to everything. Oh, no. Where can people find your YouTube? Because you do have a lot of videos and pictures and stuff that you put on. And I know you have a whole website. So, you know. Oh, my personal website? I mean, let the people know what they've been, what we've been listening. Like, like promote. Let me help you. All right, promote, girl. Promote. <laughs> oh, by the way, I am a photographer. Uh, so, and I think actually, I have. If anybody's in Houston, uh, the Texas Southern University is having uh, an art auction, and I have four uh, photographs in the the auction. No big deal. 
the <laughs> website. Good <laughs> things understated. We're just gonna keep it on. Cause I'm a champion. <laughs> Deal with the champion. Marks. <laughs> <laughs> Dealing with World Cup winners and just taking over doctors and super. No, no. Stop being so awesome. Continue. I excel. You know, it's what I do. Uh, That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> No humility here. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> I'm really very humble. Um, the <laughs> my website is kirillguthrie.com. C A R I L L E G U T H R I E. And uh, my Instagram is uh, I love I love uh, street photography. So my Instagram is all about what I see on the daily um, here in Sri Lanka and wherever I travel. So that's at Kirill One. Awesome. All right, Kirill. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much. Uh, we will be back on it, talking some more. And uh, yo, I, I hope all goes well and as you enjoy the rest of your evening. <laughs> thank you so much. Thank you so much. <laughs> Yo, Kirill, thank you, thank you, thank you so much. I, I, we, I, I know you guys. We're just cutting up here. We're just cutting up. This is just great energy that comes across over. So, uh, I hope you guys enjoyed it. I, I legitimately love it. Thank you for coming through, guys. Definitely check out some of our other podcasts. The last podcast we had was Marquise Goodwin uh, coming out of Cali, MLR, uh, ref, Mister Everything when it comes to referees. The week before that. We had uh, the amazing Erica Mori of the Italian Rugby Fe- uh, Federation. Uh, we had Robert Perry, head coach for Curaçao Rugby. We had Nicolette Panter, captain for Trinidad and Tobago Women's Rugby. Jess Nielsen, head coach for York University Rugby and a former Canada uh, Rugby National Team member. Uh, Keishan Downs, the vice president for Jamaica Rugby Union. My guy, Ryan Ginty of Next Level Rugby, the key broadcaster uh, for rugby, the Rugby Network and for MLR and the, the maker of the rugby show MLR All Access. Um, we also had uh, just so many people, Sarah Alisal, Katie Sadlier, Adam Milby. Warren Mullis and Preston Thompson. We've had Nia Tapper, Phil Thiel, Blaine Scully. We got movie people. Adam. Uh, uh, God, this is how many people we keep going. Uh, <laughs> Adam Gray Hayward. We had uh, uh, front office sports, Pat Evans. We got Derek Lipskin. We got everybody from Roots. So if you want to learn more about Roots and what they do, check out Derek Lipskin of Roots. Tiana and uh, Kyle Gramby for one of the, the first episode. Tiffany Faye, uh on here. And you, if you don't know, former captain for the USA Rugby Eagles. Uh, Dr. Amelia Luciano. We've got all levels, all kinds. Collegiate. Learn about Prairie View A&M. Check out Raheem Vital on down there. You want to learn about Morehouse College. Check out Saifedean Safir and part of it like... We have everybody and continuing to grow and thank you for listening. Thank you for being a part of it. Thank you for always doing this. You keep me excited. I'm so set and ready to do this. Thank you for everybody who's out there. And uh, of course, I want you to know, I hope you're happy. I hope you're healthy. And I hope you know that you, 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 and I'm talking about you are highly favored. You guys have a good one. We'll talk to you next time. Cheers. <laughs>